Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 124, and today we're with Eric Anderson, ILK Fab. Eric, what's up, bro? How you doing, Frank? Dude, thank you so much for making the drive. It was a trek out here, man. Yeah, as always. Dude, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know that time is the most valuable thing we have, and especially for a fabricator, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you could have... Uh, squeezed in today but you chose to be here with us man i really really appreciate it i, I appreciate you having me no of course man so before uh we get we get started can you just give us a quick breakdown of who you are and what you do um eric anderson nope fabrications um i specialize in uh race application exhaust systems headers mainly and uh, all supporting components out of which area of uh california Southern california san diego san diego i'm on the border Damn, how far from the border? Three miles. Really? Yeah, it's as north as I've lived. Um, yeah, that's... In San Diego. Oh, really? Yeah. So you've lived closer? I'm born and raised on the border. No other, shit. Other than about six years in Hollywood. Really? Yeah, that's been the life. That's crazy, man, because, so, uh, you know, I'm born and raised here in... A, this is Ventura, but right. the city over is Oxnard, born and raised. Um, and I've never been to San Diego before. I've only passed through going to Mexico, going to like Rosarito or something. You're missing out. I know, man. I am. I think. Uh, I think we might just take a trip out there one of these days, Ashley and I. You know, just get a hotel somewhere and then just just hang out right there. You'll enjoy it. If you need any help, just give me a call. Definitely. I have people who can get you in hotels. Whatever you need, I'll take care of you. Definitely, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime. But as far as going back to Rosarito, I don't know if I'm about that <laughs> anymore. I was on a 20-year hiatus from Mexico up until we had a race down there this uh -huh. year, and I kind of had to bite the bullet. And really? Down, but I, I refuse to go down to Mexico nowadays. What, uh, what changed your mind? Um murders you know basically uh there was a lot of killings a lot of hostage situations i'm yeah. obviously very white yeah. i think you have the only white boy from south san diego here <laughs> you know growing up that's kind of who i was yeah and uh we spent a lot of time skipping school skating the tj skate parks because you know we didn't have that over here and mm -hmm. had it all down there so you know it was like this mecca of everything you wanted to do and not be at school it wasn't hard to cross over no you just walk across school id no problems you know no shit yeah. i even remember that when we used to go out there because uh i don't know i'm sure you remember on the radio station and say this weekend little john in rosarito you know those yeah, are the times that that, that may we be a going. little. That may be a little later for me. So how know? old are you? I'm 42. Okay, 42. So yeah, I'm 34. So yeah, there was. Uh, it, I was probably in my early 20s when that was happening, yeah. and we would just park at the border, walk across, and then take a taxi. Yeah, and still, then, still the same routine. And then just like uh, use as much English as or as Spanish as I knew. Yeah. But uh, me being full Mexican, I, I really don't know that much Spanish. And hey, my wife's full Mexican. She doesn't know any Spanish. Really? I know, I know more than she does. Yeah. So, you know, it's just how it is. Yeah. So how was it growing up out there? Paint the picture, man. Um, that's, that's crazy to grow up that close to well, Mexico. It, it was by the time I got back there, I mean, when I was I guess I got to step back a bit to tell you kind of where I ended up. Yeah. But when I was three years old, we left San Diego to come down to Simi Valley so my mom could pursue a stunt career, like random as hell. But oh wow, she wanted to become a stunt woman, and she had won this big, most athletic woman in San Diego contest, and that gave us the means, the money, to relocate, come down here. And my dad was a pro golfer, so he had a, opened up a little golf shop, chef, whatever job he could do to get her through 
the stunt schooling and all that, you know, getting her black belt. My dad used to hit her with a car. And, <laughs> you know, just, what the fuck? Yeah, so that's how I grew up was just this wild action deal where, you know, that was normal for me. Like, I was in racing at three years old after we relocated. But basically, we came down here for my mom to pursue her career. Yeah. And um, she was a natural at it. She was beautiful, blonde from the Midwest. You know, my family's from Detroit, uh -huh. Michigan. And um, she was able to get in and double a lot of the early 80 to 85, like the Daryl Hannah. The There's a lot of movies in the 80s that she was in simply because of her looks and mm -hmm. her ability. And this was at a time when they didn't even use the, the term stunt woman. It was it was stuntmen, no matter what you were. <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't even give them that much. So she made it, and uh, basically for the next five years, she made it in Hollywood. Left my pop at three, you know, and then shit got crazy. Um, ended up living, making tons of money, and running all over, living on the streets of Hollywood, living in Griffith Park. Running. Oh damn, we're fast forwarding way too much, dude. No, no, this Whoa. is this is just like the beginning. This is it's it's not, not a big deal. We worked. This sounds crazy, dude. There's a lot to it. So at th so you grew up in San Diego. Yeah, three. Uh, well, at three, I I was born in San Diego. Okay, and then at three years old, we moved down here for all this to happen. So you move you moved down to Simi Valley for your mom to uh, pursue her uh, stunt career. Correct. And at what age did your parents split up? Um, excuse me, I was three, so I was probably two when we moved down here. Got you, got yeah, you, got yeah, you. So that makes more sense. And then okay. from there, um, we ended up back then. It was like when there was any kind of custody deal, you with your mom. There was no arguing about it, right? So my dad, mom just got. Yeah, he just she wore him out. He ended up moving back to San Diego, and uh, we went through the whole Hollywood life. You know, I grew up on Lancashire, mm -hmm. which is the street that runs into Burbank Studios. The whole yeah, Hollywood. yeah, yeah. And she was also an active member on the live action shows on the A-Team where they would, you know, like blow shit up. And they would literally blow her out of the building. And she'd run up and she played a man role. And, you know, I'd go every day after school. I'd ride my bike over there. It's a couple years later. But, um, you know, I'd go watch her on the stunt show. And then I'd go on the sets like Gilligan's Island. Um, Dukes of Hazard was a big one. There's a lot of stories from, from the Hollywood days that are pretty wild. That, Dude, what the hell? That's crazy. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty interesting childhood. At that young age, did you realize that your life was different? Yeah. I mean, to, to a, a certain respect. I mean, um, I knew my family was different. My mom was different. My mom was pretty wild. Like I said, she was a second-degree Kempo black belt. She was an accomplished cellist. She was an Olympic swimmer. She, she left a scholarship at University of Michigan to come out here. So did my dad. He left uh, Michigan University and uh, basically relocated for the California dream. Yeah. And um, made it, you know, but Hollywood will swallow up somebody from the Midwest. Yeah, you know? let, let's let's go ahead and talk about that. So you're, shoot, what, eight years old, five years uh, old? About in there. It's all the same. When did you start realizing uh, the things that were going on in your life? Because, like, I really don't remember that much before I was, like, 20. <laughs> I remember everything up to two years old, probably. Okay. Um, I remember when I walked on the set of Gilligan's Island. And and I remember walking on, and I used to go around, and I used to jack sodas. Like, <laughs> like, you know, that was my thing, is like, 
because nobody was going to buy them for me. So if there was sweets or candy or soda, I was coming up and, you know, I could be my friends, whatever. And uh, I remember walking on the set of Gilligan's Island and it was an island, right? So the sand on the set, I remember looking down, I mean, real close because, you know, when you're young, everything's real big. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And seeing the sand and just going, no way, you know, like this is all fake. Everything's fake. And then uh, right next door was Happy Days, and then Hazard County was right there. And um, that's where I would hang out after school when my mom was working on the, the stunt set. I'd hang around with, you know, like the Fall Guy actors, or Jamie Lee Curtis was a good friend of my mom's. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was like, <laughs> you know, vials uh, in the dressing room, vials of cocaine for everybody because it was just normal. Like, this is normal life. So they supplied cocaine for all the actors. They had sodas, like... Whatever the, whatever you needed, it was in the dressing room. So a lot of people just hung out there, like all the stars and like Daisy Duke. Everybody was hooking up with Daisy Duke and doing coke. <laughs> you know, it was it was what wild. The fuck. Yeah, I didn't realize until you know you don't you don't realize who these people are when you're five six years old. Yeah. You know, but I had my race bike and I would kind of just I understood what was going on, but I would just take off my bike and ride around on the set and just get in my own little world because you know i was racing pretty heavy even at that early age like bicycles yeah i was racing bmx um my mom got me in it really really early i'm uh-huh. three years old and uh basically grooming me to be a stuntman so you know she would have me jump off buildings or jump off the roof and you know she she taught me to take a fall and she taught me to fight like there was no backing down in our house not with each other. We had, yeah, a, we yeah, had yeah. a really good relationship. But when it came to anybody else, if I didn't handle my business, she wasn't going to handle it for me. So so if you could fly off a roof, you could beat up a little kid at yeah. school. <laughs> yeah, I got in a lot of, yeah, I got in a lot of fights, man. Especially uh, that's what, what I was kind of getting at. Yeah. Was, uh, we ended up leaving there and going. Uh, she got hurt. Uh-huh. She, got, she fell off a, a dump truck. Like I told you they would blow her out of the building, and she used to run up on this trash truck and say this line and boom boom she would shoot at a guy come down a zip line and she somebody forgot to wipe down the the foot pad where she got to the top and she slipped off and hit a steel barrel and broke all the ribs oh and uh there was um there was some other issues outside of there yeah that that had kind of uh impaired her judgment i'd say Mm. um heavily Mm -hmm. and uh basically we ended up living on the streets um while she was working and uh Somehow ended up living in Canoga Park. Ended up in Canoga Park. At what age was this? This was definitely six years old. Like, by the time I was six years old. And we were still going to Hollywood and all that. Yeah. But we had just had better surroundings. We had a home. Um, I had a home track. I was racing three times a week. Um, I was winning. You know, I had factory backing. And uh, one day, um, she went out and uh, she didn't come back. You know, she didn't come back for... I didn't see her until seventh grade. You know, that was first grade. So whatever, however old you were in first grade, mm-hmm. she just, she just um, I think she got locked up. She got locked up or something happened. She loved me to death. You know what I mean? She was just, she was out of her, she was out of her league as far as what she could control. And, uh, you know, I, I hold no grudges for that. That's life. You so know? at this time, you're before, before she left, you were uh, you were six, yeah. I'm guessing here. Like, okay, it's all it's all within. The yeah, range. yeah, I know yeah. how old I was when I ended up back in San Diego. Got you. But everything else is kind of a blur as far as age. Okay, so it's just 
you and her in Hollywood about six years my old. My sister. I'm oh, older, you have a sister a, too? Five year older sister. Okay, got you, got yeah. you, got you. That, that was kind of my parents. Was my sister? Was your sister? Yeah. Okay, so it's just you, your sister, and your mom. Yep. Your mom's doing the stunt stuff, and uh, you're just basically on the lot in Burbank. Yeah. Just riding around. Riding around, and then uh, after that, like I said, she got hurt, and then we ended up um, leaving Hollywood, North Hollywood. You know the slums. I I'm gonna I swing by there every time I come through, and I have time. Just I just sit there and I I just sit there and be grateful, because it's it's pretty bad if you go back now. But um, yeah, we ended up getting out of there, going to Canoga Park, and then uh, having a pretty decent life for a while. And then, it, uh, like I said, she just uh, she got the worst of her, and uh, that was that. And we ended up back in San Diego. My dad came and got me and got custody of us. So she, when she got hurt, that obviously changed her financial status? Um, well, she, she um, sued. Okay. So, you know, it's kind of like a gang thing. If you sue, it's kind of like snitching. You know? You're out the, yeah. yeah you're you out signed the... up to get hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you when you roll up to a race or whatever and you get broke off, that's part of it. Yeah. You know, that's what you got to deal with. So when you go to court, you're not going to get hired anymore. You're not yeah. going to get no work. So. Gotcha. So you're out the club. Yeah. But she had already worked up enough money for retirement and was set. So she was taken care of as far as I was concerned. Now at this time, how old was she? She was, man, 30, 35. No, no, no. Excuse me. Probably early 30s. Okay. I'd say. She was 37. She was 31. Okay. 31. Damn. Yeah. So, 31, just in the middle of Hollywood with the most popular shows ever. Yeah. Did you ever, as you're on the set, would you go home and watch those shows at nighttime? Um, I had my shows I watched, but mainly cartoons. Did, did it even click? Like, what's happening is what's on TV at prime time? It did and it didn't. It did because I knew that was this and that. I knew my mom was, you know, it was this show. She gotcha. was on there. But um, it's kind of like what I do now. You know, as a stunt person, you don't get the credit. The credit is at the end when you see your name. Like, that. that's the whole, how someone's going to know it was you. Yeah. And as a tech, if someone doesn't mention what you've done or what you've done. You, you don't get the sticker. Yeah. Yeah, which seems to become more and more important nowadays, but definitely, you know, man. There's, I, a, there's a lot of people that like to live in behind the scenes and still be successful. Yeah. Dude, know? this is wild. You're blowing my mind right now, bro. There's a lot of people that says my life should have been a book. Yeah. It's a little early on to say weird shit like that, but well, there's a lot to it. I I think you said 42? 42. 42. I'm I'm a couple months younger than than Mickey. Oh, okay. That's uh that's enough for a book right there, man. Yeah. From forty two to forty five, you can get that ready to go. Yeah, that's not even half of it. Really. Yeah. So um I like I don't really want to dive that deep into it if it's like No, I'm cool. Hurt. We're done. Okay. We're done with that. Like so when uh, she, we're back in San Diego now, you know. Okay, so so she just ended up leaving. Was it something that you knew or was one day that you came home she no, was gone or how of, how did that impact you as a as a child really then it didn't you know i was used to it i was pretty independent by the time i mean i was six years old i was out there was no curfew i'd ride until i was tired of it you know and the lights are on and i'd come in and there was never any kind of structure there so you know we were taught manners and and skills but there was no rules 
you know that and that's the thing with parenting you got to draw a line yeah you can't be friends you, to an extent yeah definitely but, but there's a line you don't cross definitely and unfortunately that line was never there so you know it was what it was yeah and it, and it, it made a tough kid out of me um you know i wasn't really a big kid i was a stocky kid uh, i was a tough kid yeah and uh that helped me when i came back to san diego because um it, it was a lot more, a lot less people, a lot more space. It's a lot more affluent um, as far as uh, the Mexican cultures, Filipino cultures. Um, really, we were the only house on the block that was, you know, white. Yeah. And uh, when I showed up, I had a chip on my shoulder. And if you called me anything that obvi- the obvious, you know, mm-hmm. white or whatever, I was always, I was ready to scrap. Like, I mean, I wouldn't even wait for you. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was on. Just and, uh, already about six, seven years old when you get back yeah, to San Diego. Eight San years, old when, eight years old when you get back to San Diego. Yep. How was the relationship with your dad being away from him for those years? Uh, we were, it was rough. He was remarried and we just had to try to figure out how to make things work. You know, and we had these, my sister and I, we were both pretty wild. And to, to come back into a new marriage, like that's not what she signed up for. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was just uh, a whole different dynamic. I didn't have rules, you know, and my dad was a, a really amazing man mm-hmm. he um lived and died by the book he worked two jobs he he did everything he could to still recuperate from that time he took from college to make those early things happen but he got stuck in these dead-end jobs for a lot of years mm-hmm. and uh it got very good for him in the end but um it, it was hard to develop a good relationship again that it wasn't the disciplinarian because i needed a lot of it you couldn't send me to school without you know getting sent right back from a fight or some kind of drama going on yeah know? i just didn't know how to act so i and there was no consequence before but he would he would he really made a made a mission out of me you yeah. know like he would ground me i spent so much time in my room like locked in my room punishment you know a, a good talking to and then time to reflect on it and uh, i i it got to the point where i was never outside because i was always locked in my room and my bike had got stolen, my race bike, my, my life, like two weeks in coming to San Diego, and then eight more bikes after that. And uh, it was just, I couldn't keep that hobby anymore. I, there was no transport to the track. So I went from winning, say, three races, races a week to nothing, to, to just living in the hood and, you know, boxing and then the kids down the street as a hobby and yeah, eventually, you know, going into gangbanging and and just doing what I had to do, you know, like Whoa. all that shit. And, uh, you know, it, there's there's a you don't need to go into the details and all that. But when I was 14, um, the marriage, my dad's marriage had gone away. My sister got emancipated at 16, moved out, you know, fully independent at 16. And uh, at 14, he told me, you know, I got you got to go. And uh, it was, it was kind of opening. He saw where I was going. It was pretty obvious from what I was wearing, what I was up to, coming home drunk, you know, coming home bloodied up, or my hands broken, or whatever. At fourteen. 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 I was six one. So I mean, I was bigger than most kids in, in in my class. So yeah, I had no problem fighting people my age, but I'd have to fight their cousins, their brothers, and just go down the line. And eventually I just kind of clicked up to not to do that anymore. Yeah. And uh, when he when he did that, when he, you know, when I had to move, my mom had came back um, during this time. Mm. And um, they tried to make it work, didn't work. She got an apartment 
in a city called uh, Chula Vista, where I live now, uh-huh. which is one city up. It's like two miles. Gotcha. And um, I didn't want to go live with my mom. Yeah. But I had nowhere else to go. So I went to live with my mom. And for like two years, I I didn't go to school, dropped out of school. I never went to high school. No No, no education beyond eighth grade from that time. Yeah. And um, basically kind of took the reins in the house, <clears throat> took the money and started trying to <clears throat> manage everything. Excuse me. <clears throat> manage everything so, you know, it, it didn't happen again. You know what I mean? I think that's what it did to me was it It made me realize that things leave and people got you. Are some of them. And I basically, like, locked myself down and then uh, got into some other hobbies, like tinkering with race cars. I used to race RC cars. And I was always doing something, like, yeah. obsessing about it. It wasn't like I halfway did anything. So I'm living with my mom at this point now. And my grandfather was always the source of my hobby income mm-hmm. from Michigan. And so that's why we had money for that stuff. But beyond it, we didn't have anything else. So 14 years old, your dad tells you, you got to go. Yeah. Um, at this time, what's what's your mindset? What's the way that you think about life? Are you angry that your, your mom left? Are you angry... What what is it that that makes you go down these this other path? It's kind of par for the course at this point. You don't think it's any different, you know. Like you you, you get hit enough, you know. You you're not surprised the next time you get hit. You just mm. you just roll with it, and uh, that's kind of where I went, you know. And and there there was some in my young mind. There was a lot of positives to it. Mm. I, I no longer had. My dad breathing down my neck. Yeah. Um, which was the best thing that ever happened to me, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, I didn't have, you know, any kind of structure where I had to go to school. I tried learning center. I tried everything. I eventually did go to trade school and get, you know, like degrees and, and uh, my GED and stuff like that. Should I join the Army for a few months? But I had a lot of injuries that they, they lied about. And there's mm-hmm. just a lot to it. I, I had, uh, through racing, I had broken my col- my collarbone four times at that time. Uh-huh. And it was popping up and it, it shortened my military career. But I made sure to get my GED, get some skills, which was in the yeah. automotive trade. And I'm not even sure that's what I wanted to do. It was just like to appease other people. But So were you excited to move back in with your mom to get that sort of freedom again? Um, No. But I, you know, you make light of what you got. You make the best of every situation, and uh, I was happy to have her. Yeah. You know, and I was happy to know where my dad was, and my dad went on to to go to, go back to school at, at a later age, and uh, he became the senior instructor for IBM after all those dead end jobs, and started making big money, and and came back in my life and really made a difference. So it's all a wash, you know. Like it, it ended up being. When I needed my license, there was no one there, you know, like things like that. And he came back in and he helped me out. Yeah. You know, but beyond that, you know, there, there's a lot of resentment there as far as not having a childhood, really, you know, but it, it's, I don't say any of this for, to shock or like to be cool about anything, but it's just part of my story. Yeah. You know, like, no, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. There's, it's just what in the end kind of separates me when I'm in a crowd, like my thinking, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. relating to people yeah. and not relating to people, you know? So I think it's important that you understand, you know, 
No, definitely, the, the man. The beginning other than the end. So. That's why I love to have people on the podcast. You know, a lot of people, um, they may know you from the fabrication work that you do, the channels and stuff that you'll pop up on. And um, this is, oh, that's the guy who does the fab, you know. But um, I don't think a lot of people really get to tell what makes them them, mm-hmm. you know. Even, even myself, you know, uh, just being in the industry for so long, I have, I've barely done really any interviews, any chance to tell my story and any chance that I've ever told it was that I made that opportunity mm-hmm. happen. And uh, not only for me, but for others, I don't think that's right, dude. Like we, we put our whole life and soul into this. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, that's why I want to build this platform, man, to be able to hear stories like this. Yeah, yeah. And, well, you're, you're good at it and you're, you're an inspiration to me because you're good at what I'm not. Thank you. You know, you're, you're doing what you're Likewise. doing now is, 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 is an example of that. Thank you. You know, and, and being a, a people person, not a people pleaser. You know, there's a fine line there. Yeah. You know, you can't just sit here and stroke people off all day. You got to really, you know, get down to what it really is. You <laughs> yeah. Know? And, uh, no, definitely. You know, and that's kind of what you had Mickey on here. I think that's Mickey's greatest quality is yeah. he's not going to let shit fly, you know. Dude, the, the Mickey episode was so great, man. Yeah, I've watched it. I've listened to it twice yeah um i don't know why it's just you know how you have i'm alone a lot you'll figure that out yeah quick um and you know the only sound you have when you're in a shop is is what what you're playing or what you're listening to and lately i've been listening to podcasts and i was just kind of i haven't listened to many podcasts Mm -hmm. like i listened to my clients podcast luckily you know a few you guys have them um beyond that nothing yeah so i don't know how this works or you know yeah i'm I'm, i mean the the thing with podcasting is it's pretty much uh like the wild west right now as far as content creating and conversations um that's why i told you before this you can say anything that you want i can say anything i want the only thing that we have to do is realize that there's people listening and they're gonna hear what we said but we're not gonna have a youtube taking us down spotify can't take us down soundcloud can't you know and that's to some that's scary but to others it's it's liberating you know i i can't talk my uh my real feelings on social media because one person sees a comment that i make or a caption or whatever and they they have something in their mind that oh i don't want nothing to do with that company you know but when you come to this space you know what you're coming here for and this is the raw real conversations and it kind of weeds out those people that are just you know fair weather uh supporters right and the people that really listen they want to hear these kind of conversations yeah i know i do yeah i, I really do i get interested in more of the background than the car stuff we Definitely. all we all have that common denominator we've all been down that road i mean at least to some extent yeah and uh you know we we figure that stuff out at sema when we meet like, yeah that's when i met you i mean i was <laughs> yeah you remember that night yeah we ended up having sushi with uh, it was at the random bar right you were at the cosmo mm-hmm. the, the chandelier bar yeah the chandelier was, bar yeah they didn't let me in the the club for reasons i won't get into yeah and <laughs> i ended up linking up with you yeah and uh ryan and chris jenner and then we had sushi that's right yeah yeah, yeah. that's we were, that last year last year yeah at last SEMA. year um I don't. I don't want to get far away from the childhood. No worries. No I want to get back to that, but I'm like super intrigued. Don't with worry, this, I'm not man. making it up. I won't forget it. <laughs> I feel you, dude. So, 14 years old, you're living with your mom. Um, 
you're hanging around with 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 a tough crowd what no no that but that's excuse me i probably should by that time i had done everything i had to do to leave that behind me got you got you i didn't take that with me so from 14 to uh what what ended up happening after that you're living with your mom and then you decide that you don't want to go down that that hard road for not having money anymore so you take it upon yourself to be the the quote-unquote man of the house or no it wasn't so much that i wasn't earning any money i was just basically taking the income we had which Mm -hmm. was screen actors guild you know whenever whenever you do a movie on a high level aside from cable or any of the the platforms we're on today yeah you get a residual Mm -hmm. so if they replayed it on tv you'll get a residual of thousands of dollars okay so every month it was like a lottery you know what what movie's gonna play what's what money's gonna come in and then that money had to be managed and uh basically to keep um certain things out of you know certain places you yeah. can keep the money and kind of control those situations. At least in my mind, I could. Got you. And uh, I just kind of, re- you know, I'm, I'm a reclusive person. Like, that's just my nature from moving around. I went to 22 elementary schools. So, you know, there, there there's this thing where you're always a new kid and you just, you get to a point where you just don't want to, you don't care about fitting in anymore. Yeah. Or just hopping in a crowd and just getting caught up in all that where, you know, you're just completely content alone. And that's what I did is I just got into my hobbies. And uh, eventually got back into biking, and that led me to uh, a whole new freedom. Uh, you know, like it really brought back a part that was missing, and, and that was the bike side of it, because it, it was a passion thing. It was never, I was never go race your bike. You know, yeah. no, nah, hell no. You had to drag me out of, off the street to get me off my bike. You know, and then early on, I had to fix everything. Mm-hmm. So you know, as a young boy, I'm, I'm changing my race bike setup. I'm changing, you know, the the dirt, the beater bike set up and, and I'm fixing all the other kids stuff. So that's kind of where the, it came out of necessity, the yeah. ability to be mechanical. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I got into racing RC cars, like, like I was saying, and uh, I don't know how that came about. I think it was just cause there was a hobby shop nearby. And I got into like turning motors and tuning suspension. And, and it really taught me how cars act and how cars, how power delivery is ever, you know, not just a bunch of power. Yeah. That just taught me dynamics of, gotcha. of how race cars work. So when you started biking, um, how did you even get into that? And how'd you learn uh, how to, uh, you know, start fixing your bike or tinkering with it? Well, I mean, it was the 80s, like the early 80s. Being, you couldn't go in a, an auto parts store without there being a full BMX section. Hmm. Yeah, you know, the movie, this was before the movie Rad, like, the, which was a popular BMX. It's like a cult BMX movie. Okay. I would say the Fast and the Furious, but neither one of them are accurate, right? Yeah. So, you know, not to hurt anybody's feelings, <laughs> but, you know. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah. Basically, the 80s, BMX was popping. Okay. I mean, that's what was going on. And I've always been really competitive. Like, okay. When it comes to racing, I'm not, I don't root for teens. I'm not a team sport guy. I'm, I'm into motocross now. Yeah. Um, not so much because I've given too much of my body to sport, but racing BMX was this way to put me against the next guy, and there was no excuses. Got gotcha. you. Know, there's no team. There's nobody to blame. You go out, win, or you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. you get hurt. Yeah. And I like that aspect. I like that that danger of it. You know. And later on, I, same with street racing. It kind of came came about the same way. So. Um, I had to tinker with them because if I didn't, they wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, it, there was just something that I fell in love with. I mean, I can't explain it. So at the time that you, uh, after eighth grade, um, 
what are you doing with the rest of your day or what are you doing with your day since you're not going to school fiddling running uh going riding that dirt jump spots when no one's there just strolling the city you know just being alone you know i don't know hanging out and then uh I, there was this little dirt jump spot by the house. You know, we always have that whack dirt jump spot that somebody put a mountain. Yeah, dirt. yeah, yeah. But, you know, it'll do because it's close to home. And I would go ride this spot and I'd like jump it backwards, forward, sideways, whatever, just make it fun. And then there were some kids from the apartments that came down. This is like very important mm-hmm. in my story, okay. like, like this point in my life, because uh, I ended up meeting some kids that they were telling me about like this Mecca right, of this, this dirt jump spot called Honda Hill. They called it Honda Hill because the old Honda test team used to test there. So um, basically these kids introduced me to this new spot and it was, first time I saw it, like we rolled up, it would be like rolling up like on a 14 foot oververt quarter and you're just like, that's the first thing you're gonna drop into? And you're like, hell no, right? So it was like that spot hmm. and it was world, it was known around the world. For, for being, you know, a, a nice place to ride. For dirt bikes? Yeah, for, okay. for BM, BMX bikes. But for what dirt did Honda use theirs? it for? Um, to test their, their, dirt their bikes. motor and their jetting. And, you know, we race SoCal. Like any of our race teams, when you test, you want to test where you race. Yeah. So when they came down here, they tested by the border. Got you. So, you know, it just developed. And then, you know, housing developments came in. And then the Honda Hill moved. And it just followed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I eventually bought a home there. I live there now. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, long story short, it was a place to um, connect with pros. Mm-hmm. It was a connect to get really good at what I was doing. And it was also a place to meet people to get rides to the track. So from there, like everything, my life changed. And what age is this? 16. Okay. 16 is when I first went down to the jump spot. Gotcha. And it's, it's, it's a place where my friends to this day are from that place. My wife, I met, her bus got off right there. I've been with her, you know, since I got with her when I was 17. Yeah. You know, and I've been with her ever since. So everything came from that dirt jump spot. And, you know, um, growing up around BMX, you're around TIG welds, you're around failing welds, you're around the engineering of the bike, you're, you know, how a bike handles, how head angle, you know, there's a lot of dynamics to what's going on. And I was lucky to be with a pro and one of the local pro, the only local pro that was there was an engineer. Mm-hmm. He was in school for engineering. And um, he was designing parts to overcome the failures we were having. So we were like really early on, we were we were a part of development products that are, are standard now. Yeah. So it, it was, and we were, you know, there's videos to this day that you can look up on the internet and you can watch us, our childhood, that are like embedded in the internet and they're, Really, you know, released videos that we put out. And you're in them. Yeah, I break, I break bones in them. Yeah, it's, it's. I still show my kids. They're just tired of seeing them. <laughs> I can dad break his ass off. You know, <laughs> shit. I think I, I did the gnarliest thing ever for like three t-shirts. You know, that's yeah. the hype was real. You know, I'm like, yeah. But it was, it was a really good time in my life. You know, like it, it was, the transitioning into adulthood and having real friends and having real love. And my mom was doing, she was doing okay. Yeah. You know, and uh, we never really got beyond. It was more like a brother-sister thing to a point. Yeah. And uh, so I had to go up really, you know, real quick. And I I can't say I was mature about it. Like I wasn't like all fucking knowing. Um, I had a lot of anger issues and anxiety issues and, 
you know, shit that happens when you when you when you when you peg your reality, you know, to a to a point of like if you've ever been to a haunted house and and like something freaks the shit out of you like or that you get the heebie-jeebies or something and no but i want to oh. <laughs> I've, I've really oh, yeah, been you in- were looking up the freak yeah, yeah <laughs> i've yeah. really been into to ghosts and aliens lately so that's, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing to be into you know but you know when your body pegs your 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 endorphins your adrenaline yeah. i don't know what it's called uh-huh. but you can only do that so many times before it makes a, a, a long-term impact on you really yeah yeah and that's well eventually becomes ptsd yeah um you know there there's there's a lot of things i didn't mention that you know i was witness to you mm-hmm. know like we uh, i'll give you an example a okay. quick one because it's it's kind of gnarly like yeah. i don't i don't know how people are going oh, to talk about b swaps and then they're going to hear this shit. bro you, people <laughs> i tell you man we've heard the craziest conversations on this podcast and people really enjoy it like I said, dude, we could talk about anything that you want. Well, it's just part of the story, but it was, uh, I was sitting there when my mom left. I didn't, when we, the, the place we went to, we, do you know where Eagle Rock is? No. Well, it's like this really affluent neighborhood in the mountains. I think it's out past Pasadena. I, I don't really know my geographic anymore. Yeah. Here anymore, but um, we ended up in this big mansion on a hill. Um, my mom was dating this cameraman. He was he was a lot of things, but none of them good. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, doing Hollywood things, and uh, basically one day he came in. He had he had rage issues. He had problems, and uh, he stabbed her in the face. You know, like it was just plain. And he came in, and he he wouldn't. He didn't have the balls to come in straight up with her because she would have handled him no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, she he just came in from back, and he fucking shoved the knife in her face, and uh, I was just. You know, mom pulled it out, turned around, and beat the shit out of him. Cleaned herself up, and we went about our day. And uh, so we're looking for a way out is where I'm getting at. Yeah. And the way out was because this guy was so, he had so much range in Hollywood and where we were at. My mom was still working at the time. There, there was politics involved. So she basically waited till he was, uh, he had an MG, you know, the old convertibles. And my mom being a, a trained stunt driver, she used to jump the General Lee on um, Dukes of Hazard. I have pictures of her with like her hair falling out that they couldn't use, like her blonde hair and her helmet. Yeah. And, uh, so she was really good in a car. She was amazing in a car. Um, she basically waited till he was passed out in the MG, coming home and drove it under a semi. And uh, she w- she did her maneuver, what she had to do, and left his ass there, and paid him back. And uh, he didn't die. He came. He he lived. He lived. And from what I just found out recently, he's still alive. Nobody will tell me where he is. Not like I'm <laughs> looking for him or anything. But <clears throat> so basically, she came home and like her ears hanging off, literally, because she got caught. And she has her ear, and she's like, "Pack your shit, we're leaving." Right? And uh, we moved to Griffith Park. Um, and she had a she had a she oh she only drove Camaros, straight up Camaros, seventy to seventy three. All she owned. She had a brown Camaro. Didn't you have a brown Camaro? 1980 Camaro, right. yeah. So but I always wanted the that second generation, dude. Yeah. First generation was great, but something about the second, I don't know, maybe it was because it was like the better version of mine, but just like those round lights in the yeah. back and it just that's an awesome and car. And the sucked man. in bumpers. Yeah, oh, I love it, dude. Yeah, she had four of them. She mm-hmm. had four of them and like they she wrecked all of them. Like she rolled one and all this other shit. But and we ended, we ended up living in that car. We dipped out and uh we got our own apartment he went into the you know he had to go to the hospital he was in the hospital for months 
and uh, through Hollywood, you know, we, we got an apartment and through Hollywood eventually found us again. And uh, my mom didn't report any of this because she had warrants. You mm-hmm. know, it's just part of this lifestyle. We're already in this deep, whatever. Yeah. You know, and uh, he uh, found us and just came in the apartment one day. I was home alone, came home from school, and he came in. He uh, called the police on my mom for the warrants. And my mom came home um, right before the police arrived, and she she came in and she dealt with him mm-hmm. like you know what are you doing here this guy was still trying to impose his will on our life and she saw the cops come and basically we were on the second story and she ran and jumped off the second story over this huge gap onto this trash bin and just fucking ran and uh basically they you, you see her running like you it was funny to us like because i'm totally desensitized to whatever i just know my mom's getting away and i'm like yeah. fuck yeah she's Go gone mom. and she's like a deer she's yeah. gone and there's cops running, whatever, and then she finally gives up. And they bring her back, and she's they're like, oh, I, I caught her. And he's like, fuck you, you didn't catch her. Nobody, this is, this is how my mom was, right? This is yeah. a person that, for all intents and purposes, raised me. Yeah. And um, basically, um, she went to jail, did her deal, and was out in a few hours. And then uh, they didn't do nothing to that. They didn't handle any business with that dude. We're breaking in, nothing. This is a different time, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it's... People weren't as sensitive, I guess, but yeah. they always sided with the man here and then the woman here. It was very biased. But uh, that was the end of that dude. After that, and we settled the legal issues. Um, it, that was just a wild story, but yeah. that's how we got out of that situation and gotcha. got, got to be on our own and transition from my dad. And uh, So with all of this going on, how aware of everything that, that you're going on with your life is your dad? with your situation um he's pretty pretty aware there's many times where he had come and taken us you know and, and taken us to the police station and said, look at my son you know my sister never nothing ever happened to her unfortunately although i think the person that it doesn't happen to i think it affects more yeah um it's pretty easy to take a hit but it's pretty easy to watch it's pretty hard to watch somebody you love you know take a hit uh, i would much rather get hit than anybody that i i love yeah you know no definitely. problem i'll deal with it you know, so it, it was, it was, it's harder on her, I think, but, um, yeah, I kind of jumped off track there. Um, what was the question? About, um, uh, how much your dad knew about your situation. Oh, like I said, he knew everything, but he, um, he, he knew it all, you know, but they wouldn't give him custody because the woman back then mm-hmm. always got custody. Um, we also had, a. um. During this time, um, my dad did come down, and uh, my uncle, who I was really close to, had um, had enough, mm-hmm. let's just say, and took mm-hmm. a, took a way out that affected all of us. That uh, really changed the dynamic of my blood family. My mom, my mom's adopted, okay. so um, the Anderson side, my name is my blood side, and uh, basically my my uncle david who my son's named after had an issue with his marriage and didn't take it very well yeah and he came down to to tell my mom because they grew up together they were high school sweethearts and they they uh kind of bonded there and mourned that and then that was it you know like i didn't see him again until i was moving with him and i, I was reluctant i didn't want to go and i pulled up i remember riding up to the house and the u-hauls there you know, it was like your life is one way and then there's a U-Haul. 
and you're gone again, you know, just when you get comfortable. So I guess that's at the point of my whole childhood. It was just, it was very transient. There was, yeah. there was no stability. There was no nothing. So it, it really carries over now. Now, how aware of you were, were you that your life was completely different? Were you talking to friends or were you going to friends' houses and being like, wait, why isn't your mom not jumping out windows or anything? Or No, because everybody's like, the only question I had is like, your mom makes you lunch after fucking school mm. you know cooking beans gotcha. or you know the the mexican moms always you know took care of their their family or smell the food i was yeah, always yeah, hungry yeah. you know I, I learned how to handle if i needed food i'd go get food you know however i had to do it and uh, i'd fend for myself for for a long time and, and and i knew it wasn't normal but i wasn't out there talking about it um what i did do very well though was i was very good with writing mm -hmm. So whenever we would have writing competitions, even with my really bad grades and bad behavior, I, I won almost every writing competition I, I entered. Yeah. And, and I was very into books. If you gave me a book of, of, of a trade, to me, you were giving me secrets and money and, and my ability to cheat the system, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and bypass all these people and not have to, again, not have to talk to people and just go about my business, build what I want to build. And not have to really have any input from anybody. Yeah. And uh, it provoked that. You know, it provoked that very well. So um, do you feel like a different chapter of your life started when, when you found that park when you were about 16? 100%. It absolutely did. Um, I mean, yeah. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, very much. And it it, um, it allowed me to, to be free again. You know, when, when, you, when you really truly love something, you, there's nothing else in the world you think about that thing at the time you're with that 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 idea or that you know like me riding my bike to this day like i was just in yosemite i hadn't been on a bike in i don't know how long mm -hmm. and i just got out in the morning i woke up in the morning and i was like i'm gonna go sprint my bike mm -hmm. and i was like what the why don't i do this every day you know like why am i not riding my bike and nothing in the world makes me feel that way it, it just yeah it's my it's my alcohol you know people turn things it just it's free for me it's freedom and uh, you know i have everything in the world I ever want right now. And it's like, you get so caught up material stuff. You get so caught up in, in life and people's other people's products. You, you begin to miss what makes you happy. What yeah. truly makes you happy. And bikes do that for me. It's just a release. And, uh, um, it, it was, it's pretty amazing. Are you talking all bikes or just BMX? Um, well, anything at this point, yeah, I, I have a pretty good, uh, I mean, I have nine motorcycles and probably, as many bikes mm -hmm. and I have everything from, you know, my main road bikes, motocross bikes and BMX bikes. Um, that's kind of it. Yeah. I mean, and road bikes are a recent thing. Like two, I said before I turned 40, I would own a Ducati. Mm -hmm. Um, and because I had so many come through for fab work cause you know, Italian bikes or Ferraris for, for that matter. Um, a lot of the parts aren't replaceable and they're very expensive to come by. So as a fabricator, you get a lot of very exotic things to either repair or build. So I ended up buying this Ducati, right? Like I'm at Disneyland. My wife's like, you know, you haven't talked about the Ducati in a while. I'm like, well, what's, what's going on? The business is doing really good in the first year. And she, she gave me the okay. So like I walked away and literally bought it at Disneyland. I called my boy and like gave him a deposit before she changed her mind. <laughs> and I came back. She's like, what'd you do? I was like, I bought the Ducati. She's like, you mean you bought a Ducati? I'm like, I bought the Ducati. I'm like, don't trip. <laughs> you said. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you won't even see the money. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, so I bought a 
220 horsepower, 400 pound bike. <laughs> and, um, I got into road, road bikes, uh-huh. you know, and, uh, it, it got to the point where that began to feel slow. You know, I'm doing 160, 170, 190 to go get a burrito on a ride that used to take me an hour and 30 minutes, which is now narrowed down to 40 minutes. And, um, you know, it, it really started, the reality started to set in of, you know, this is going to go bad real fast. Yeah. And then I had three friends pass away this year from just cell phone issues, I would call them. You know, people pulling out or whatever. Three people died in six weeks. And um, I haven't touched my bike since. I haven't touched my bike since my apprentice, who should have been here today when I was telling yeah, yeah, you. Dan, yeah. shout out to Mr. S1000. He's He's got my back no matter what. Hell he's yeah, my man. Closest it's good to have people like that. He's my boy. Um, he, he basically... Shouldn't be here right now. He was riding home and just went to go chill at his boys after work and hit a car. and That was it. So I still have my Ducati, but I haven't ridden it in probably a year and a half. And then I have all my motorbikes, which is my real passion that I still ride now and then. I'm just totally out of shape right now to, to be able to hold on to that amount of power and the way I want to ride it. Yeah. So it's all relative. If, if I'm on two wheels, um, obviously the higher the danger, the, the more reward mm-hmm. um but i'm not willing to take those risks anymore yeah um 2006 uh 2004 i shattered my leg 14 places and then uh excuse me my nose is running do you have a tissue by chance um not with me you can- I'll, I'll do with it it's not that bad um 2004 i shattered my leg 2006 i broke my back and then i broke my collarbone for the seventh time and it exploded up into my throat and uh, I was working both times. Um, had a real good job at this point, uh, which we'll, I guess we'll kind of get into that. But I'm kind of getting that. Um, I had permanently hurt myself. Like when I shattered my leg, they wanted to cut my foot off. And uh, I healed from that. And I, hadn't, I didn't ride very much. You know, I was, when I got hurt, I, my sons were at the track. And I remember looking at them through the fence. And I'm like, I can't be doing this. Yeah. This, this isn't something a responsible father does. Mm-hmm. You know, so I kind of checked myself, pulled back, went out. Second ride back, I broke my back. I'm 20, 26 minutes in. I went from a different, the terrain changed. Then it was the same with this broken leg. It was this little stupid thing. Like when you let your guard down, right? When you're set up for something big, you're very focused. When you're on something very small, you let your guard down. Yeah. And I paid the price heavily twice. So on the men from all that i, I kind of left motorcycles i still ride them i still got i still do laps i only go to tracks sometimes i'll go to the desert but i still go out and i go what you would think would be pretty pretty extreme is kind of mellow you know for for the for your normal enthusiast but so when you're riding bmx you're you're doing like racing and jumps and such yeah correct? i used to did used to. did you do any street riding yeah I did everything. I mean, we built bikes back then to do both, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you kind of handicap yourself with weight and all that. But honestly, if you're that focused on weight, you probably weren't that competitive anyways um, at this point in time. And uh, we would do all that. Like we would travel from here to Orange County, um, Marino Valley. We just There was only so many skate parks, yeah. you know, and, and contests to be had. And it was just something that I lived and breathed every day. And through that, spot honda hill is where the car thing happened Mm -hmm. that's where it all started to manifest um i had gotten uh um, i'd bug my grandfather for like you know you write your grandfather a letter like 
you know, that little hustle letter. <laughs> like, this is why I want this, right? And I did it for like 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. My mom was always putting me on motorcycles. She was like, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. It just never really panned out. And uh, eventually my grandfather finally said, yeah. When I was 17 years old, a year after Honda, I started going to Honda Hill, I was telling you. And mm-hmm. uh, I used to have to push it three miles on the street, just walk that bitch three miles. I would ride it. It would foul spark plugs. You know, it would, too much oil. I couldn't tune it. It would break like six times. I'd fix it six times and I'd push it home three miles. And I was that passionate about the motorcycle thing that that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And it eventually like blew the transmission and I traded it for a bike that was uh, literally in buckets. And this is kind of how I got my reputation with my friends. Um, when you split the case on an engine, on a motorcycle engine, the transmission comes apart. There's the gear clusters, the synchros, the shift forks, all that is just, I get it in buckets. And this was an Austrian motorcycle, so there was no instructions for it. I uh, ended up putting the whole motorcycle together in my room with cereal boxes for gaskets, and the bike ran perfectly when I was done um, until I hit a quad wide open head on and uh, broke my third collarbone um, and broke the whole front of the bike off. But, you know, it didn't it didn't deter anything. It didn't yeah. slow anything down. It was just like, fuck, I can't ride. You know, that's all injuries were. We're just a little, you know, little yeah. curb in the road. And uh, so, you know, it was pain and, and riding and extreme side of things is just kind of normal, right? So when cars came around, it was like, this is, you know, this, I, I started seeing the similarities, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that's kind of what started it all. And knowing what an engine's supposed to feel like between your legs sounds fucked up, but, yeah. you know, knowing how an engine's supposed to make power, how it's supposed to work when it's not working right is very important on a motorcycle because if you're going to do a certain obstacle, if, if you have a failure, you're going to kill somebody. I mean, paralyze them or you're going to hurt them real bad or you're going to hurt yourself. So, you know, it's just that critical thinking and that approach was there from day one, you know, aside from like the tinkering in the bikes and the RC cars. So I learned engine dynamics and I had this old school dude who used to take me all through Mexico racing and show me how to rebuild motors and I just latched on to anybody I can learn learn from, older kids yeah. and older men, you know, like, that sounds very <laughs> weird. But, you know, like, there was a dude, he'd come down and, and test his bikes there, and I was able to say, I'll, I'll work for free if you take me, you know, to the races. And that's what he did. And uh, this dude's name was Rudy. I wish I could find this guy because, you know, he, he really helped me out yeah. at, a, at, a, at a point in time because he – he included me in something that I otherwise wouldn't be able to, you know, enjoy. Yeah. And uh, um, those were some good years, especially going through Mexico, because it was a, it was a different time, and Mexico was real fun back then. So. So, what age did you get your first car, and what was it? Um, uh, first car was a, I was seventeen. It was a Delta eighty eight. It was a. You ever see the old Beast? Well, this I'm old. The, mm-hmm. the old Beastie Boys video. There's this big ass four door. It looks it's a Delta eighty. It looks like a cop car, but the trunk's slanted. It's like a Caprice. Okay. So it was a shit box. Yeah. It was three hundred dollars on the side of the road, and uh, I had a check for a lot more. But I saw it. I was like, shit, three hundred dollars. Cars dope. We could fit bikes in there, and I didn't give. I didn't care about cars. Yeah. Um, that's not what. It, I was still about riding my motorcycle, and uh, I drove that around for a while. And then one day I woke up. It was gone. Turns out the plates were stolen and whatever. I never registered it. I never got a license. <laughs> I never did shit. I just rode around. But my first vehicle was actually a um, 1981 Honda motorcycle. Okay. And then, but the first car was the same year, 
And uh, yeah, I lost that car. And then I went away to the army for a few months, came back, and with that money, I bought an 80 Celica. Okay. Um, because that's what I could afford. And uh, that kind of, um, my buddy at the time had a brand new 95 Honda Civic, EG hat, brand new, like brand new. I remember he rolled up and it had his crew on an on a intake. And I'm like looking at that part, like that looks like a motorcycle part. Mm-hmm. You know, and I start sounding, I start making the similarities and I start getting hyped on it. And then he races me in his, you know, DX15 and beats me by like a car. Mm-hmm. And then back then it was more like gangbanging when you race somebody. It was like, all right, what are you going to do? You know, like, you know, it gets all cool guy, peace. He wins and then he dips out. Mm. I'm just like, fuck, I'm not going to beat him with this old piece of shit. Yeah. And uh, I had a son. My son was on the way at this point. Like, we're missing a lot of this. We're just jump over, but I have a son on the way. But yeah. I had my son 10 days before my 20th birthday. And uh, I needed a more reliable car. And my dad took me to the dealership to co-sign for me. And uh, I bought a brand new 1997 Nissan 200SX in Pacific Blue, which is basically the blue you see on all R34s. Mm-hmm. I have one in my shop right now, actually. An R34 is the same color, but it had a, a pearl in it. Mm-hmm. And you could see this car a mile away. It was like on the lot. It was hideous. My dad's like, "What the? Why do you want that car?" And I was like, "Don't worry about it. Like that's the car I want." And uh, we bought it. And I remember I pulled out. He comes up next to me and he's just like, "Like that color's dope." Once yeah. he saw it outside, yeah. and he's like, "Don't touch the car." You know, like my Celica. I had already built the head. I, had, <laughs> you know, I, one of the dudes that the guy taught me how to drive. I, I, backtrack here came down to honda one day and he started riding um bmx for motocross and he he's like let me ride your bike and i'm like let me drive your car and he's like done i'm like oh, i don't know how to drive a car he's like it's just like your motorcycle and he threw me the keys and he split <laughs> so this was like a built uh cabriolet rabbit uh-huh. so it's a it's a ra- it's a rabbit but it has a cabbie kit on it it's, it's dropped it's got a you know built head this is one of the premier engine builders that eventually you know tv uh tv just broke the world record for the b series yes 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 tv basically was like this is the dude that everybody went to uh-huh. busy moto um these were all um guys that developed cylinder heads back then tv came later mm-hmm. uh, after all this but threw me the keys and i got in the damn car and never just like my motorcycle right clutch same shit i'm doing 115 down the road 10 seconds later, because, you know, you get on a motorcycle, you're like red line, red line, red line. Well, I did the same thing. Fifth gear wide open right there in front of the jumps, just 115 miles an hour. <laughs> and then, you know, somehow didn't kill anybody or hurt anybody. This was through a neighborhood. Yeah. And then parked the car and he became a really good friend to this day. He's one of my closest friends. And basically taught, that's how I learned how to drive. Mm-hmm. Was he just threw me the keys and that was it. And we used to go chill in his shop, and he'd be building cylinder heads. He'd be doing dual carb conversions, big cams. So we learned at that time. I say we because you know it was just our little group. Um, cylinder head design, cam profile, nitrous. Like, and we didn't even give. We didn't even care. We weren't even really driving. We were just chilling, doing things you do at that age, chilling in a garage. You know, like yeah. hanging out. And uh, you know, we started making our cars made power. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't buying parts. We were bumping compression and trying to get more fuel in there and turbocharging. And I was on the bottle from day one, like rolling out. It was it was something that I didn't go out to lose. 
to this day I'm still that way. Yeah. I don't go out to halfway compete. Short of cheating, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So and even then there's some rules that, you know, are loose yeah. that you can play with. If you're yeah. smart enough. So you know, and that's kind of what was started at all was was him showing us you know, if, you, if you're smart enough and you understand the, dynam the dynamic of what's going on here, you, you can manipulate this, you know, and, and it, it all started there. It started, I started building up my car. Uh, I remember back, this was probably 1998. I had, uh, I say that this is, this is like a common um, thing that I've heard from a, a couple people that I've listened to. I've listened to Mickey and I listened to a little bit of RJ. Okay. Because of the background yeah. and, and the age, I kind of. I don't mean try to be narrow-minded, but it's like my attention span only goes so far. It's more to relate to if it was around the same time as right. You. And I want to hear RJ's story. Yeah, you know. Definitely. And then like with Mickey, I was still I was like college. <laughs> like, whoa, man! Like I have mad respect for people who 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 did that. Yeah, you know that that's 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 an achievement in itself. And um, basically, oh, I don't even know what I was saying again, dude. Like I'm losing my brain, but. That was like the difference I think with Mickey and I was I had I didn't go to college so I had a lot more time in the industry but um, we were talking so you about, say you were working on on your car and yeah um, yeah excuse me I was the common denominator with RJ and all that I had yeah, yeah, yeah. racing heart C ones on the car gotcha you know the OG three P's I had a um, which nobody had back then I had a cage in the car and it was this color green mm -hmm. um, just happens to be the Mickey's same color green. that Mickey rocks <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, it may have been a little more cowy green, but when I did my logo, I'm like, everybody's eating this color up. I love the color, but you know, just run it. So basically, um, the car was, it had a kit. They didn't make a kit for the car. So I found another kit, made it work. And I was never into systems or anything. My car was gutted. It was on the bottle, as much nitrous as the ignition could hold. And, you know, we played with the head a bit and, and that car really never lost. I yeah. Mean, I'd go out and run like the equivalent would be like a GSR on a, on a 75 shot and I'd either out drive them or, you know, it just wasn't a race. So this is your early twenties. This is, uh, yeah, I'm 20, I'm, I'm 20, 21 at the time. 2021. Uh, you just had your son. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute. Yo, what's up, fool? Make sure you check out Downstar for all of your dress-up needs. Get it poppin' over here. We have all the kits for the K-Series, the B-Series, the transmission, the mounts, the engine, the Toro, baby. We have the hardware for the seats, for the stereo. We got it for the speakers. We got it for the lug nuts. We got it for the air valves. We got it for everything, dog. So you make sure you hit us up at downstarring.com or you call us up, fool. You can even text us, lame, 818-937-3472. Just shoot us a text and tell us what's up, dog. I need some fucking balls in this bitch. Hit us up, downstarring.com. Hey, and if you got an Instagram, slide in our fucking DM at downstar. Wait, hit up the homie, Frank underscore downstar. He's the one that takes care of all the DMs. Hit that lever up and shoot him a message and he'll get you all taken care of real nicely. Yeah, well, I had my son yeah, at 19 and I turned 20. And then we got the car that year. So I was 21 when the car was kind of built. And uh, we started street racing, really. Like we started getting into the, that side of it through my, uh, his name's Bill Ottinger, the old the cylinder head guy. Mm -hmm. He took us, uh, prior to that, he had taken us out to the V8 street races which were on the border there's a 905 freeway which is the last 
east to west, west to east uh, American freeway in the United States. Mm -hmm. And they would go off and they'd have big money races out there. And I've always been, uh, muscle cars are dope. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I spent a good amount of time doing my part in, in, in the V8 world um, as an employee in this tech. But when this little, we were at the street races and there's this Nova rocking everybody and just running them all night, winning. And this little bug pulls up on a trailer and puts all his money down, pulls up to that that Chevelle and just rips him a new asshole. I was I was really infatuated with that what that Volkswagen did. Mm -hmm. You know, it was again the underdog. And I, I remember the exhaust being huge, like because I had studied bugs up until that point, and I remember it coming out. So you know, it was a turbo bug, and we saw it slaughter this big muscle car. And uh, from there, it was on. It was just four cylinders and that import import lifestyle started so at, at this stage early 20s um how's the relationship with you and your wife and your new family um turbulent as hell you know you can't have uh you can't have uh, you can't be extreme into your hobbies and, and maintain a family you, you, you just can't and at the time i wasn't living we weren't living together you know, we were still young. We mm -hmm. hadn't gotten to the point where, um, well, one, she, she obviously, I, I didn't earn the trust quite yet. I was still, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll be back in an hour and I go street race until the sun come up. Mm. Or, you know, we'd start on Friday and we'd street race all the way into Sunday, you know, four or five bottles of nitrous. Mm. And, you know, but it, it was rough. <clears throat> it was rough. And being in the industry, I always had side work. I needed side work. And um, I keep messing your chair. It's all good. And uh, basically, I trying to make a living doing this and trying to be an enthusiast at the, you know, in this sport and, and be yeah. faster, it, it occupied all my time, you know, and, and uh, a lot happened during that time that, that could have went either way, but she stuck it out, you know, and um, I think it's for a long, a long time after that is, is why I make a lot of allowances. You know, because she was down for me no matter what. Yeah. You know, there's never, I don't know if you could tell, but up until this point, that was the first person that showed me. Real love. They didn't tell me something. They showed me something, you know, and and, and, it, and it was without a doubt. Yeah. And uh, it, it was, I was reflecting on that recently, like thinking about this conversation and, you know, about the people in my life. And I started feeling really grateful for it, you know. And uh, <clears throat> she, she's a, ride or die like straight up that girl has been through some shit with me you know and she's never left my side doesn't like cars doesn't like anything about um when it comes to street racing i'm not allowed to own a honda civic <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that yeah. like we're not, i'm not allowed if she if i mention an ef <laughs> nope it, it's not even a it's not even a question. If I want a divorce. I'll roll home when the EF. It's <laughs> over. It's over that quick. That's your jam, the EF. Uh, that that's yeah, yeah. That's Hell what yeah. I that's what I basically broke into the Honda world with mm -hmm. um, as a tech. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons, but um, when I finally got tired of playing with the Nissans, and um, I had my first job that I had worked through, and they they got. Basically, they gave me a shot. I wasn't a good tech. I had a lot of street racing experience, um, but they gave me a shot. And within four months, I was 
the lead fabricator there. I was the lead exhaust guy with four, four months experience. And uh, I was doing like four, six drops, C notches, turbo kits, um, anything he would let me rip on, I, I would rip on it. Um, doing all the shit to my car all the time, making mm-hmm. turbo manifolds, um, anything I could do. Like, it didn't matter. I've always been that way. Like, whatever, if you want to shine somewhere, do what nobody else wants to do. Make yourself, you know, invaluable to the company. And I always did that. Nobody wanted to do like gear jobs. Um, nobody wanted to do, you know, the, the dirty work. Yeah. And I was always down for it. I thrived on it. You know, I thrived on, um, I found my value there. Like I, I found worth in my work. And uh, through this company, I used to do, like I said, a lot of four, six drops. And there was a point where we started just doing the rears of these trucks and they were all federales, right? You can, they have, they have a uh, federale plaques on the, on the A pillar, right? Where the VIN is. Okay. They cover the VIN. There's a Mexico, you know, federale cop or not, you don't, don't, don't think the two are any much, are much different. A lot of times, you know, they're both, yeah. they're both on the, they're both on the grind. And, um, I came in one day and, uh, I had just bagged a truck. Like I used to do a couple a day, and this truck was stripped. I, I left it that night, and it was. I was I was set it up for air pressure check and everything before we delivered to the client. And uh, well, there's a federales in Mexico, and the, the truck was stripped. And I was like, why the why is that truck stripped? Like I kind of knew what was going on at this point, and uh, I confronted the boss. I'm like, why is the why is the truck? Why'd you even have me put it together? He's like, don't worry about it. Go put it together. And I was like, all right whatever you know growing up like i said i don't ask questions you yeah. know you, you learn you learn a certain point you just don't ask questions and you know for all, all intents and purposes well when the law is concerned ignorance is bliss yeah right so i start having a moral dilemma with this um and i'm not getting paid like there was times where like well you can take that nitrous kit or you can go hustle that to get my paycheck so before we get ahead let me let me try to get yeah, this straight so you, you you bring this you get this truck in, and then you just realize that they somebody stripped it. No, I bagged the truck. Excuse okay, me. you bagged the I, truck. I, I'm all over the place. It's all good, bro. Um, they're just you know flashing. Yeah, thoughts, but I started welding and fabricating everything, doing four six drops, okay, bags and all that. And I was bagging these trucks, and what they were doing is they were doing runs at night. Mm. Uh, and they were running weapons. Okay, gotcha. Uh, which we came to find out later. Got so you, got I, you. I quit. Okay. I wasn't getting paid, right? And uh, you know, like the one thing about having a wife, or we weren't married at the time, but having a girl, is if you're gonna be gone, you better come home with some money. Yeah. Like there's no, you know, either way. Yeah. You're gonna go out and do business, come home with some money. And the money just, he was running out of money. He was doing some mm. shady stuff, and uh, you know, it, I kind of knew what I signed up for. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. So I quit. Like I, I quit on the spot. I had already, I was, uh, there was an import shop that had opened close by that was straight up imports, uh-huh. you know, and it was all like street racing shit. Um, and it turned out to be the biggest engine distributor on the West coast. Uh, eventually we got there. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I wanted to go work for them. I wanted to go, you know, just do Honda shit, you know, do uh, not so much Honda stuff. I wasn't into Hondas yet. I was still on my knee something. Uh, and eventually my Scirocco, I got in Volkswagens, which is where this all began but i quit he put a gun to my chest on the on the sidewalk he's like you're not going anywhere i brought you up you know and all this bullshit 
And I'm just like, you're not going to shoot me here on the street. You know, you're not going to do shit. And I just, I, I dipped. <laughs> and three weeks later, they got raided. And uh, they ripped, broke everybody's boxes open. He got 12 years. What up, Glenn? He's out now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he got rolled up, lost the shop, lost everything. You know, they <gasps> seized his home, everything, you know. And uh, he gave me a shot. I appreciate yeah. it. The way he handled things wasn't normal. Yeah. But in the end, it gave me the opportunity to have the skill set to go to this new spot. And what got me in this new spot was my welding skills. Yeah. And my ability to do exhaust really quick. Um, I wasn't saying it was as nice as shit around. Yeah. But it wasn't going to rattle. You weren't going to come back. And, you know, it did its job. So when you started at the new shop, what age are you? Um, 23. Okay. 23. And uh, um, just doing full street racing. This is, this is a time when there's five spots in San Diego. There's 10,000 cars, I mm -hmm. want to say, out like all mm -hmm. at once. And it's deep. I mean, it's so deep. And you have to understand the dynamic at this time in the automotive industry beyond street racing we had all those clients but being an exhaust guy at that time was a very lucrative industry there was no epa mandated material to prolong your exhaust life so whether you liked it or not eventually you were going to come see me mm -hmm. and i was going to get paid so that was kind of the basis of getting good at that and having my other skill set and you know knowing what it takes to mix power basically so Eventually, they mandated a 409 stainless steel, which you see nowadays, which is all brown. Mm -hmm. and like, oh, that's steel. No, it's a high carbon stainless that rises to the surface and, and it, it stops rotting at that okay. point. It only comes out with heat, not the weather. So uh, that kind of killed the industry there. And then uh, the, the police started cracking down really, really heavy where you couldn't even be within 100 yards of, of a race spot. But mm -hmm. that, that was kind of later. Yeah. But uh, anyways, I, I got this job and the dude, I, there was a guy I worked with at the first place, this place called Redline Auto Effects. Um, he was the lead tech at this new spot and they wanted to fire him. So they created a position for me in the front. Last place I want to be, right? Put me in a collared shirt. I'm not refined. I'm not clean cut. You know that song clean cut american yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of why i don't fit at a throttle no no <laughs> yeah but you know i go over and these are some nice guys and real genuine dudes but yeah like when it comes to childhood i know like there's there's differences right um not i'm not even pinpointing them but that's just kind of the way i see it but um basically i spent a month in the front selling parts and and running like the, we had a like Nopi, we had three pages in every magazine out there. Mm. So we had a full warehouse, fully stocked. And uh, I got to know the parts catalog really well. Um, we were really heavy new speed vendors. So if you had a, a hatch, you come in, you were either going to get a race spring or a sports spring. It just depends on how aggressive you want to go. And then we were banging Tenzo parts out. Tenzo R wheels. I don't know if you, I don't know if that's too old or what. I've heard of them before, but. They were all every i mean we were selling sets multiple sets a day so i'm you know busting tires we're we're selling b h zc swaps like crazy because you know zc was the number one replacement direct replacement yeah um and a lot of crx's which are now gone because they've been crushed yeah but uh it was basically i got on that that grind of you know paying my 
time up front while they got rid of this dude in the back. And uh, eventually <clears throat> they let the guy go. Yeah. And uh, I got the position, rolled my toolbox in, and then uh, basically took over. Started doing all the fab work. Um, started doing uh, everything you would do to Honda back then. I mean, it just depends on what kind of guy you are. You know, they roll up, they're going to have springs and side markers. Uh, maybe Altiza taillights. Um, and that would be like your streetcar guy, right? Yeah. Or then you have the kid who went too far and popped his shit. And his dad's like buying him a ZC motor to get the car back on the road. Or then you have like the, the gritty turbo kit guys. And then you have the full swap guys. So I'm running the gauntlet with everything to do with this. And, and while we're doing it, there are no mount kits for EF. Like we couldn't get them or I didn't understand why we didn't have them, but I would land one engine mount whenever I do a swap and I would make everything else. I'd make the shift linkage. I'd make everything but the axles. You mm -hmm. just get B axles, pop them in. And then I, I think I remember here you saying you had an HF at one point. Uh, 91. Yeah. E uh, yeah. EF. Uh, yeah. 91 EF, SI. But there was HF designation. No, you had an SI. Uh, yeah. So you had a four SI. injector car, but a lot yeah. of the cars were two injector cars. Okay. So you had to convert them over to four injector to run a B series. So you had to wire a full, you know, injector side harness and make them run. And at that point I could do a whole Honda harness, like off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. I didn't need any manual. I could pin a whole ECU out and I just started busting out three, four, five swaps a week. And I was on a commission. So, you know, 40% of everything I did, I got a cut from. So I was hustling. Like, Damn, that's a good percent. Well, yeah, it was. Um, our labor rate was like 45 bucks. Yeah. You know, nowadays that's not even a third mm -hmm. of, of most, you know, upstanding yeah. businesses. And uh, basically one day <clears throat> what got me into the Honda thing, <clears throat> excuse me, my buddy built Turbo B-Series and uh, took me for a ride. And you, you ever been, you know, when a car is fast enough, you just giggle. Yeah. You're just like, ha, you know, it's just roller coaster it's shit, fun, right? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's fun. And uh, I got hooked. Yeah. So within, I ended up getting rid of that car and the payment and all that. And I bought a EF on blocks that had gotten stolen. It was just a, a shell. And uh, I built that car from basically, uh, I didn't even buy an engine from us. So I had basically developed my B, B series skills at that point and the fabricator skills. And uh, um, to give you an idea with this car, it had a blown head. <clears throat> And uh, in one weekend, I went from, I blew it up Friday night, single cam. I keep bumping this shit. And um, the next day, I fixed the head, popped it again on nitrous, turboed it, blew that up. That night, we put a single cam <laughs> VTEC in it, blew it up. Next day, I'd already bought a swap, an intercooler core, uh, AFC. Yeah. Uh, AFC, whatever, the VTEC AFC. And um, I had a Mugen computer in the car, and that's why I kept blowing it up, because it would just, there was no rev limiter. I'd run until 11, or but I just <laughs> fucking, I didn't care. I yeah. wanted to get to my B, right? So we went out, and that Friday night, we had a sponsored event at the track. And uh, I, I ran everybody down. This was when they would give gaps and, you know, the bracket race. Yeah. And we won. I went to my boy's house, left, and I, the motor blew up, and that's what, provoked all these head changes so none of that worked we ended up i ended up blowing up all those motors and by sunday i started in on the b swap monday morning i showed up with a turbo b series at work 
So like this was the type of shit we like didn't leave my boy's house and basically just straight up went to work on it. Like if my car didn't run, I just couldn't exist. Like you had to have like I had to have that part of my life, the street racing side of it. Now, at, at this time, how's the the family dynamic going? Same, same. same? It's it's uh, it's going well. Yeah. My, my mother-in-law. There's a whole other story about my mother-in-law. I'm not going to get into, but um, she's really our our relationship is priceless now because gotcha. of it. But at that time, you have to understand my. Uh, my wife wasn't necessarily my first pick as far as what I imagined my wife to be or like mm-hmm. a person I'd be with. It came over um, a period of time and, a, and a, uh, an understanding of who she was as a person and her ability to be trusted and, and these values. And don't get me wrong, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but she's five foot tall and Mexican. You yeah. Know? Like this isn't like in my mind what I pictured, but this is, you know, who who I, I fell in love with. Yeah. So, you know, basically, it, it just, it was hard then. You know, our lifestyles were so different. You know, we're a good team is everything. Like, you need to be everything I'm not, right? And that's what she is with me. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm get way off track here. So, but. so at this time, uh, what's the relationship with uh, your son? Um, it's regulated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I basically would go over to see him. I, I could have done more. Like, you know, I was pretty young and selfish. Mm-hmm. I was definitely present in his life, you know, on a, on a as much as I could be. Yeah. I did whatever I possibly could. But the family, um, you know, kind of kept me at arm's length gotcha. for a, a period of time. Um, a lot of it came from a, a fight that happened. The first time they met me was in the house and mm-hmm. I was involved and. There was some other drama there, but uh, um, her dad was has always been this, this super chill and and forgiving guy. Thank God mm. and, uh, would kind of make allowances for me, like you know, hey, it's all good. Don't worry, don't trip on her. He'd always say that. Don't worry about her. <laughs> she's like tripping hard on me, and to this day, he still does it. Like my wife will trip. Be like, don't don't worry about it. Just just whatever. So the Mexican you, women are feisty, bro. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. the Mexican guys don't you worry about it. Just chill. <laughs> it's a good quality. So, sometimes it's too much, but you know. Sometimes I'll see my mom yell at my dad, and my dad just laughs it off. I'm like, damn, mom, chill out. Yeah. <laughs> my kids do that now. I always told them like, don't get involved. Don't get involved. But the other like a year, like a few months ago, my son stood up for me, and I was like, hell yeah, I needed that. <laughs> like, finally, like I got back up, right? <laughs> you know, so. It, everything kind of manifested the way it should. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I, I didn't deserve it then. You know, I didn't deserve the trust with their grandson, my, my yeah, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't have, neither one of my kids have blue eyes. Uh-huh. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, when you look at my wife's olive skin, mm-hmm. kind of like, you have olive skin, you're very light skin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he pretty much came out looking just like me with brown eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, better looking. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he came out this amazing boy and he was, you know, the family just took him in and 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 loved him to death you know was and, it the uh, first grandson first grandson gotcha first grandson and uh that was his whole life was that his family my family was not not present yeah you know like i've i've uh i've buried everybody yeah that, that i've i've needed to bury that i hope i needed to bury yeah and uh obviously you know it, it you go through life that's part of it 
Was, you raise a kid and you say goodbye to people that, that matter. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it, it ended up being um, a necessary evil, like not having that access, you know, because it, it really provoked me to, to go out and get it and, mm-hmm. and make something of myself and make changes that I had to make. Um, it was, we were bound by this child now, mm-hmm. you know, which we kind of planned because it was like all we wanted to do was be with each other. Like it, it was a pretty heavy deal. And what's funny is like, if you look back, she was one of my boy's girlfriends. Like that's how I got to know her. And he didn't treat her that good. He didn't treat her good at all. And we didn't, I was with her friend and like, you know, you had, this was what's dope. This is what the kids out there don't understand is you could have like girlfriends here and then you could have girlfriends here and then you could have girlfriends here. And when we were kids, we were, we were doing that. Obviously we weren't going to like crazy lengths. We were just kicking it with these girls. But, um, she had certain set of values that, that didn't really align. And, uh, she was just down for those values. And and I, I, I had this gnarly crush on her this whole time. I used to like carry her around and even there together, like, you know, we were just kicking it. And, uh, it wasn't until like a year later after they broke up, I call them like, Hey, this happened. You know, I, if it's cool with you, you know, this is, I think this is something we're going to try. And that's how it came to be. Yeah. So I got to know her long before she was my girlfriend and I knew that's what I wanted. So anyways, that's pretty much, there's a lot more turbulence down the road, but that's how it all started. And it, again, the car thing was all mixed up in that. Yeah. So you fa- get back to the the B series. You get back to the shop turbo B series. Street racing. Um, street racing. At this time, are you just are you infatuated with Hondas, like the Honda culture, or it's just to you this car's fast? Cars have never been anything to me other than a tool to to go out and exercise your demons, kind gotcha. of, so to speak. Like I said before, I'm very competitive. So um, when I was able to, you know, experience a platform like the B-Series, what it would take to make any other car do what that Turbo B did was way beyond my means, right? And we're talking about um, early, late 90s. If you had a 13-second car, people don't understand how fast a 13-second car really is. You had a fast car. Mm-hmm. Like you were smashing. People were going to know who you were. Nobody's going to, there was no media. They would just remember, where's it? There he is. You roll mm-hmm. up to the spot, you get out of your car and just everybody's there. You know, it was real, real life. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The same heads every week. There he is. And then they bring their boys <laughs> like, there he is. You know, and it's like, who are you going to race tonight? Like who, who whatever. Yeah. And you just roll up and, and you were only as good as the last week. And if you went out like the week before and smashed on everybody, then everybody was going to be waiting for you the next week. So you had to come, you know, back your title up. And uh, that's just kind of how it went. And that was you? That was me. I mean, Toretto? I wouldn't say Toretto. <laughs> but uh, definitely people knew who I was. Yeah. You know, people knew my cars, all of them. Um, the the second car I had, I won't even go into. I didn't build it. I bought it up from my mentor. And it uh-huh. came with, like, a bunch of different setups down to a pro stock nitrous setup that I would run. But you knew... The Southside Boys, because we were we lived on the border, yeah, you know, and we would roll out to like Mira Mesa, which is it's like a twenty mile drive, and um, we we were pretty well known, you know. We were engine guys. We weren't like just putting intakes on our car and 
doing whatever. We were building the heads, milling them, you know, porting them, uh, running timing until we ran out. And we were finding these, you know, sweet spots and running as, you know, as much nitrous as we possibly could. I mean, you get to a certain point where it would just blow the ignition out on, on the stock ignition yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it all really took off. And the, I said before, um, that car is a, is a sore spot. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a time where, um, I, I ended up, uh, I ended up, I was late on my rent. I had an apartment by work. Obviously I was out on my own. Um, and I left my car on the street one night. I had all my tools in it that I had to like work on the car, which were the same tools I needed for work and got stolen. And uh, I had the ECU in the house. I had like four fuel cutoffs. Like ECU, I, I I would take the car apart every time I got out of it. Gotcha. And uh, it was gone. I came out the next morning and, you know, I was just like, I don't know what to do. You know, I hit my alarm and I'm like, what the fuck, my car's gone. And I was having a little beef with the manager and he, like, he changed the code so I couldn't park it in there. So basically all that street racing and all all that time and energy into that car, which was just more of an obsession um it all went away right there had to start over my i had uh since then i'd gotten married wife moved in wife moved out because i was i was street racing like i was always working on my car or i was street racing or i was at work or i was making side money to to build my car and you have to understand everything on the car was handmade like everything was like either cannibalized from a car from the junkyard or whatever I could pillage at work and, and, you know, refit to make it work on my shit. That's what yeah. I did. And, uh, the car was fast. The car made 377 to the tire. Whoa. Pull your ass into the next lane. Never had it, never had an LSD in it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it had a full, it was, a, I ended up doing a full wings West kit, Carmen hood, 18 by nine, Tenzo shoes, you know, huge, Whoa. huge wheels on it. it. It was just the most gangster looking hatch going down the highway. And it had a ton of power to, you know, for a front wheel drive car then. That's a lot now. Yeah, I mean, it is. For just a regular street car, definitely. Yeah, especially dude. one tuned on an AFC, you know. Yeah. Like I put big injectors on it and I would just run it until it would lump and then I would pull fuel out and I would just tune it going down the highway. Yeah. And as long as it didn't blow up, it was all good and it never blew up. You know, it got stolen. That night, eight Civics in the city of Chula Vista got stolen within three hours. They just came in and swooped you know, just like tow trucks or what? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think it was a semi. This is back when, like, we're coming to, like, the height and the end of it all. Uh-huh. And uh, I had bought the engine from another shop. It was, it was. have you ever heard of Pan Auto San Diego? A little bit, but. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not, nothing, nothing good. But there was another Pan Auto um, down in South, South Bay that eventually had to change, change its name to Ingenuity because of that other pan auto the dude eventually jumped off a bridge he had enough Whoa. Was, you know shit got south a bunch of bad news here right yeah um <laughs> so anyways he he sold me my intercooler which is core my swap engine trans ecu and a gate for 425 bucks <laughs> and i used to carry visas i used to be able to just carry them you know this is before i broke my back where i really yeah when i was fit and i was young um, when I was still, you know, 6'3", 200-something pounds. 
And uh, I used to just carry fucking, I carried it to my car, threw it in my car. He's like, what's your address? Me, you need my fucking address. You don't need shit for me, you know, like, you're not getting shit for me. Were you already up on game about thieves and things like that? I mean, I was, but I, at the same time, I knew what to look for on the motors. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the motors and for all intents and purposes, he had piles. It was literally a pile. There was no rhyme or reason. There was just a pile. You'd be like, go grab one. And, you know, back then, you could get them like that. Mm -hmm. we, we would order three, 400 motors at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a 50,000 square foot warehouse with every engine you can imagine, two-stroke imports, you know, from Japan. We, I mean, it was like Mecca. Yeah. And I didn't even realize what we had. Like, I was walking by those SRs all that time. And they were, they were never even in my, my range yeah. of rear-wheel drive. Not until later when I got really tired of, of not having traction. So, yeah. Um, it was just this crazy time to be a part of the Honda community, you know, and I was running the national line. Like we sold around the country and I would be on the phone all day, like with the notepad mm -hmm. and I, and I would be drawing out what they'd be telling me. Like I would be trying to figure out where they were at. They would yeah. get their swaps. They'd have a two injector car and I would walk them through the whole wiring harness, what shift linkage. If you don't even really need a shift linkage, you can just. If you had a welder, you could take care of it. Yeah. And uh, eventually wrote instructions, which if you did a swap in the early 2000s and you went online, it was probably something I wrote. Um, I spent so much time on the phone walking people through swaps. And, yeah. you know, I could I could diagnose a B-series, uh, you know, if it was a swap-related issue over the phone or even from across the parking lot. Like, I knew everything about that motor. Yeah. I, 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 made made it a point to know more than anybody else so you know now at, at this time um you being in the honda community is there anybody that's still around now that was around back then um that's still in the cars Probably. well i mean you're still in the community yeah i mean there was a i don't know if you've ever heard of the team it was it was evil e-v-o-l mm -hmm. and there was a dude to this day, I've known this dude for 20-something years. I still only know his first name. Mm -hmm. This is an OG street racer. His name's Lavelle. And he used to tune it, Ingenuity Pan Auto. He had a dual-carb hatch that was so gutted, you could touch it, and the whole car would be... Like, it was literally just a tray and a built 13-to-1 dual-carb motor. Mm -hmm. And he would just go out and wreck people. The car ran like 12-4 on the motor, so nobody was touching this dude. He's he's still around. He runs a now he's driving a Camaro. You know you get to a point where you just get yeah you move on. I don't think I'll ever get there because there's a record I, I want to break. But um, he's since moved on and just builds motors and plays with it. TB was coming on then. You know he was actually a TB stands for Taliban. Okay. You know it was like a joke. Uh -huh. It was like a it was a nickname. Taliban. Taliban. Oh shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. This big. Um, <laughs> Saudi dude like came out of nowhere and starts building these 900 horsepower fucking cars and blowing them up like three a week lifting heads and four trannies yeah. right like who the, who is this dude right yeah and I'm kind of like phasing out um the import side but that dude came on the scene and just started making big power like I mean we were started to see six seven eight and then eventually down the road, I mean, I, I, I've seen TV make 980 horsepower for 30 pulls on a dyno on our dyno one day. Never break a damn part and go to the track and pop it. Like, I've seen him do amazing shit. 
And for him to basically break the record recently the way he did, it was, yeah. it was a beautiful thing to see. If you know his story and how much that dude, and, really? and, and doesn't talk about it, yeah. he's, he's the most humble dude you'll meet. No you don't know shit. anything about him. Yeah, he's, he's an OG. Like that dude's been around forever. But compared to us then, yeah. he, was, he was a new guy. But he was willing to go further, you know. So that's the TB Auto Works. Yeah. With that white Integra B series. Yep. yep. That just made like eight hundred or something. No, or I didn't eight, make no, eight hundred. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was eight. Made five eight, and a quarter. Ran eight seventy two. Eight seventy two. God damn. Where was that even at? Um, I don't know. It was at that shootout race or whatever. I, World was it at yeah, World, it was a World Cup? Cup? Yeah. World oh Cup. shit. Okay. So he was on Nitro, so he was able to. You know, gotcha. Was no yeah, that's the first time that I've I ever heard about them. Was that because when that happened, it was just all over social media. You yeah. Know? Well, with the San Diego, like the OG Honda dudes, like TB's the dude. And actually, I just sold him my flow bench. Um, I had a old head flow. There, there's a whole other story here with Busy Moto and all that, but I finally. This flow bench was a gift uh-huh. when I moved in the shop. The shop I have now, 20 years ago, was a cylinder head shop that mm-hmm. I worked in as a kid uh, around that time. Oh, street wow. Racing. Yeah, so like I went back with my wife and we were looking at units and, and all these things. And I remember looking down on the floor and there was this blue spot, right? And it was when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, young adult, I, I put that blue spot there when we were painting a line around the shop, when we were dialing the shop in. And I started thinking, I called him. I'm like, what unit were you in? And he told me, and it's my unit. No shit, Yeah, it's a dude. full circle going, wow. working everywhere in San Diego, all through the industry. I've never been employed in anything else but aftermarket automotive, all the way back to where I started. And hmm. it was just like this moment where you start seeing the connection and the relay. Like, you know, call it answer prayers or whatever, but everything is coming to fruition, right? Here's my shop. Yeah. And it was the same shop that I used to daydreaming back as a kid. And anyways, I went and uh, TB always jokes with me. He calls me the, um, cause not many people know me, right? Yeah. And uh, I kind of like it that way. Um, I wish it was better for business, but honestly, nobody needs to really know me for what I do. Yeah. Um, if you need to know me, somebody will let you know. Um, but he always calls me, you're like the best kept secret in San Diego. Not the best kept secret, but you're just like this secret. Yeah, you yeah, keep yeah. to yourself. He's like, why don't you get into this Honda shit? You know, like everybody's going all the drive. And I'm like, I'm not going down that road. Like, I really don't want to go down that road. And that was a recent conversation? That was a recent conversation. I would say a year ago. Okay. I mean, not, not that recent. It was yeah. before um, Jason released his kit long before that. So it's um, probably when that um, Stevo came out with that, the eight second all-wheel drive EG. I would say within a month. Got you, got you. Because that's what really set off the whole all-wheel drive stuff. I think there was a couple cars that were doing it before, but um, the full-time fab out in uh, in Jersey. Yeah, we follow we follow each other. That yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that car, it just like it it changed things mm-hmm. a lot. It was very apparent. And me, you know, I'm a, I'm from the outside looking in, and even to me, it was just like what the hell did he just do? You know, seeing that car just out of nowhere come and just jump into the eights and just like going lower and lower, you know? Yeah. And that that just really ignited the spark for the all-wheel drive stuff. And then you have guys like Jason who who capitalized on that opportunity yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was amazing to see that happen. You know, yeah. it was something I didn't 
I mean, we went through phases, right? We went through all we went through wheelie bars. We went through mm. all these little things that you know to try to get that car to hook. Yeah. So eventually, when someone did do it, I was like, I really had to look and made sure that car was all wheel drive because, like, I kind of took it personal for a minute. Like, well, why, why, why haven't we done this out here? <laughs> yeah. You know, but in the end, you know, it's all wheel drive, and and that's not the first. I mean, five, six years ago, I, I've driven all wheel drive Civics, yeah. five hundred horsepower. Um, they just didn't. I don't know why they went. Any, they didn't go any further than that. There's just some time where something just clicks. Right. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, even with us, with the hardware stuff, we didn't invent dress up hardware. You know. No, and I know when you when I first saw Downstar. Other than your 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 ad, because I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. That one right there. That one right there. Yeah. I thought that was the sickest ad I've ever seen. <laughs> Thank like, you. Honestly, the context, everything was just it was on point. Yeah. And I was like. Second thought was fuck, because I've been making those for I don't know how long. Yeah, I still make them to this day. There's a whole market you're missing. We need to talk about. Yeah, later, definitely. But, um, but we to this day we make them for for pre runners. You know that's everything's glass and off road. So we we machine out hardware. Yeah. You know, so I used to sit there and crank them out. And once I found out they were available, aside from brands I used to stock in, I had another import shop. Um, there's just too much to go over, but. I used to stock like energy where they give you five and you had the nut, the nuts or yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't even remember what they cost. I would yeah. just grab them cause it was my inventory. I didn't do the ordering. My partner did. But when I saw your stuff, I was like, it was just one of those moments again where I was like, the fabricator in me was like, you fucking missed that one. Didn't you? <laughs> you know, but then I, then I respected it. It's like, I respected it from day one because that shit we need. I don't want to sit there on a lathe and make those when yeah. I, when I just got on a run. Like you, you sent me a, a care package yeah. not long ago and man, I can't tell you the difference between going to my box and having a better product. Cause I'm not going to have your radiuses and stuff in there. I'm not going to, it's not, it's not on my yeah, itinerary, yeah, yeah. right? If someone wants it, sure. But I can go in there and grab it and take care of somebody. And I do it as like to, to, pro, you know, provoke them to do more. You know, someone always, someone comes in and they're like, that thing's a piece of shit, you know, and they're, you're, they're starting with you. You're the first person to see this project. If you take something simple as like, uh, you know, the apron bolts or whatever, and you start the process for them, yeah, it could be the catalyst that turns this build into something you're going to see, you know, at the best shows or, you know, the, the fastest racer next year. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, that you see it like that because that's how I see it too. You know, it's it's the things that we provide is nothing more than just more opportunity for somebody to take their build to that next level. Right. Because when I was building my car, that opportunity wasn't around. Right. And if it was, it was it was a kept secret that like the elite Honda guys didn't want to give out, or it was just ridiculously priced where there wasn't a market for it. Right. And um, it was just like the all wheel drive stuff. You just see the opportunity. And, you know, I come from, from being a hustler mm -hmm. ever since I've grown up. So to me, it just, it clicks so easy. And I just think like, wow, nobody else, this hasn't clicked to anybody else. But if you think about it, it's just like, oh, it's just nuts and bolts. No one cares. But dude, there's a market for everything. There really is. Everything. It's just, again, having the right person behind the brand. Um, that's kind of where I come short. There's, there's all these things where I've always sat down and like, what do I want to make? Yeah. You know, and using, you're, you're very active on media, you know, and, and I see you going after it every day, you know, where I, 
you know, a lot of people are too cool to start at. You know, you ask a lot of questions to keep the rhythm going. And, you know, I answer them a lot of times. Yeah. It's just entertaining and out of respect, just like whatever. Um, I don't have my guard up or I'm not trying to be anything to anybody. So, yeah. you know, I spread the love if I to the people I want to show love to. So, you know, it's like I see you doing all that and I'm like, I'm not that outgoing. Yeah. You know, I sometimes I use media as like just a third, like a, a person I talk to. And it's like, sometimes I forget that there's other people on there. Like I'll just start texting, you know, just post whatever, end up deleting it, yeah. or, you know, because I'm self-conscious about it. Um, for what? I don't know. Uh, I, I just don't go after it. Yeah. And I've long stopped posting car stuff because if I post car stuff, somebody's going to message me. Like they're going to interrupt my my private time yeah. you know or i have builds in my shop that are for a lot of reasons they're still there like there's two um one's not so bad the other one man it's been it's been a nightmare for multiple reasons like you can't hook somebody up and uh expect it to be done instantly yeah when you're out of pocket right so it's just this big old hustle and uh i don't know i see you doing it well dude. i see you doing it well from thank you from the media side um I follow the from from day one, like your little your journey and where you go. You travel a lot, and I've seen like some of the things that you you went through 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 that, you know. And I think it's just your kindness being mistaken. Yeah, you know, like at times, you know, people do that, and I think that's I think circling back to why I don't do it is that a lot of times, you know, you're kind to somebody and they're wiping your dick off when they walk when you walk away because they think that you know they're that important yeah you know not like you just don't have the capacity to be nice because you want to be nice you know yeah i i think that um the way that i am now how i am in social media um how i'm very approachable and i haven't always been like this and uh that's why i can relate to people like you that just want to stay in the background that are more of like a, a you know a recluse want to be by themselves i've i've been there so many mm -hmm. times so i feel like um, the weaknesses that other people would have have called it, I feel like they're strengths now because I've been on both sides. Right. I'm able to interact with somebody who's the loud person and, you know, the person in front of the camera and the one that's, you know, wants to be noticed. And I can interact with the person who's who's in the back watching it all. Yeah. So I feel like that's that's kind of like my strength, being able to see both sides, just like yourself you know you coming from that that childhood um and then being in, not in that that lifestyle now but, but you still need to you still know how to handle those situations yeah. where if some other person would have hey i'm i'm quitting you're not fucking quitting with a gun to them you know that might have turned them into uh that person's you know okay now i have to do everything that this person said they called my bluff Right. They called my bluff. I have to do everything. But the the way that you were able to handle that is because of what you've been through. Yeah, you know? I, I've, I could agree with that. You know, and I, and I definitely see I definitely what you said is, is the absolute truth. You yeah. know, and in the end, it's you get to a point where you start leaving those those childish things behind. You know? Yeah. And a lot of the the pride never goes away. Yeah. You know, but the. Uh, the ignorant pride, you know, or, or I would say ego. Yeah, you know, where, definitely. You know, where it's, 
it's not based on any fact other than it's you or mine. This or is my this. DNA. Yeah, it's all of ours. I mean, your ego. This is a we're driven by ego. Yeah, you know that's that's what we do. Yeah. Um, especially dealing with the younger guys, you mm -hmm. know, you especially I should say my clients because I don't really work for the average off the street person. Like all of my clients are either a race team or they're a company. Mm -hmm. So I have multiple ongoing jobs even now. Like I have projects that I do with Mickey and Mickey, Ricky, um, Rick, all those, all the throttle boys. Um, then I have like a, a Porsche company that I deal with. And then I have my short course racing stuff. And uh, I'm just all over the place with these people. Yeah. You know, and, and you just kind of have to. Just not be a thorn in their side. Handle your business and get out of there. Yeah, you know, like, I I really feel like it's a skill, and you have to know how to maneuver in this uh, in this industry. And if not, you're gonna get taken advantage of, and you're definitely gonna get your feelings hurt. Yeah, and it, it's been a really long road for me. You know, in the last ten years being in this industry, um, having to to decipher it all and having to figure everything out. And just coming to the realization now that one, I don't have to ask anybody permission. There's, I don't have any OGs. There's nobody that helped me get to this position, you know, gave me this opportunity. And two is like, at the end of the day, the only people that are going to be there for me is my family. And that is the hardest fucking pill to swallow. Yeah. And that is something that I had to realize because I put too much weight in in so many different relationships that are very fair weather. And when the storm comes in, you realize the only people that are there is your family and the other people, you know, maybe they'll send a text, a call or something like that. But it, it doesn't change their life. Right. If, if you don't hear from if they don't hear from you in a week, in a month. It's all good. They'll right. see you at a show. Yeah. When we go to Eibach meet H Day or something like that, SEMA goes, hey, how's everything? But that's all the interactions we have. But when you're going through like rough times, only people that are there is family. And to me, that's where my loyalty goes. 100%. And, and I'm like, I'm so much more careful with, with my energy and how much how much care and thought and and weight i put into these relationships because more than not i've seen how how what i mean to them right and maybe in their head they're not understanding what they're putting off and that's their journey they're gonna have to go down their journey and they're gonna figure it out and whether they lose relationships or not that's on them but it's it's just on me is that you know, these relationships I build with people, whether I'm sending them stuff or we're promoing together, I need to know that, look, Frank, if something happens, that person's not going to be there. That person is here because it works good together right now. Once it doesn't work together, they're gone. They don't care about you. And, 
you know, um, just growing up, I really didn't have many people that cared about me. I didn't have many friends or anything like that. You know, like I could relate to a lot of that you're saying, you know, you're just by yourself doing your own thing. And well, it by, was by choice to a reason. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. A, a lot of it was to, to choice. And maybe it was my downfall that I wasn't uh, very outgoing. I wasn't out trying to make friends or anything like that. But I got comfortable being by myself. Mm-hmm. And then once you start getting this new popularity, getting these new friends, people want to be friends with you and this and that it makes you feel different it makes you feel like important and wanted but that that's not real like i still at this time 10 years later i still feel like it's just me and i still feel lonely because i don't even have my close friends that that i've grown up with or been around the last 10 15 years they don't call me for go to dinner to go to the movies to go to lunch or anything like that. If anything, it's always me, you know? Mm-hmm. But the one that does is my wife. Right. Want to go do something, go on a trip or whatever. My wife is the one that's always there. So that's that's number one. Everything else is second. Man. Yeah. And it's just, it's a hard realization. It, it is. And you, you're definitely beyond me in, those, in that respect. And honestly, I couldn't have said it any better. You know, at the end of it all, it it really comes down to to those relationships. Like your your significant other. Yeah. I, I can't tell you the amount of friends I've lost in the last three years because I wouldn't build a car for them yeah. or I wouldn't finance their build. You know, like oh, and God forbid I asked for money. Yeah. You know, like un- unfortunately, this is a hobby for a lot of people. You know, and they think it's just as fun for us as it is for them. And really, you're in the way of me getting back to the people I really want to be with and the time I really want to spend. Not that I don't want to have relationships and spend time with people that are important to me. Don't I, I do that. Yeah. But I do it in a work capacity. I do it where we're both making money. We're both benefiting. I'm going to be doing this regardless, and it doesn't take away from my family. Um, for a long time, I fought that. And it's probably one of the biggest apologies I'll ever make to my wife, which I have multiple times, but she just didn't feel more important in the cars than the racing. And, uh, you know, I can't say honestly that at those younger points in my, in my career that she was, you know, she was in my heart, but you know, you, you get tunnel vision, like when you want to succeed or you, you get a shot, you know, and, and you'll get another shot. I, I mean, that's one thing I've learned. You can't just grab onto everything that comes in and, you know, especially people like, oh, my God, this person is so important. No, yeah. Nobody's that important. Yep. Nobody. I, I can tell you, like, you, I don't need to add anything to what you said. You said it perfectly. But uh, I'm going, th- I go through the same thing. And uh, I'm glad you said it because uh, you read my mind. You know? It's rough, man. It definitely is. And that's one conversation Mickey and I had. And uh, I think that it really comes from being around um you know older age and just acquiring this knowledge and wisdom is just that like these relationships that we build um even you and i you know um at the end of the day it's it's a respect thing Mm -hmm. it's not about what i could get out of you what you could get out of me the right way right is a respect thing yeah i think we had a little moment i i think i I missed I'm really bad at text, like returning. And I think I went a little sideways at you. And I was like, well, that came out wrong. 
Remember we had to yeah, start yeah, yeah, over yeah, yeah. and reboot. And uh, that was my bad. You know, I'm yeah. like, I'm sitting here tripping on Frank for something I do all the fucking time. You know, and it wasn't anything like I was tripping. It just it came across that way. Yeah, and we and addressed it right away. If it was if that was the older Frank, we wouldn't even be having this conversation now because I would have let my ego get in the way. Yeah. But just for sometimes, especially we haven't spent that much time no, together. Not really. You know? We've had dinner. So so you have to set those boundaries. And for me, it was that was something that maybe I wouldn't even said in the past, but I would have held it against you mm -hmm. it was like you know what set these boundaries right now and if this stops you from fucking with me then okay you know i have to set my boundaries and right. it has nothing to do with you it has to do with the past and things that i've experienced right. you know but to get over that and to keep going and for for us to both to be mature about it like that's awesome and i wish that so many other relationships that i had could have went like that but whether it was the way that i handled it or the other person or whatever you know that that awkward couple text never happened and that turned into you don't exist in my life anymore yeah. which is i don't know if that's the way that it should have gone i don't know if that person shouldn't be in my life anymore but it's just it's neither here nor there you right. know you make you you figure out the way that you want to navigate now and then you just keep going but you can't look back and say i wish i would have navigated differently back then right because you know it's impossible and it's something you learn as you go you know like it, it really comes from having something to offer right like not everybody comes to the table with something and uh for me i can come in and i can train you with a certain set of skills or give you a certain set of skills and you're never going to call me again like that's the way it is so do i go in with that mentality like i'm going to make sure that this dude's you know bonded to me by you know lack of information no i'm not going to do that because that's not how i am yeah back in the day hell yeah i wouldn't even have bothered sharing any info with you you know like or or where i get this or where i get that because it's not in our nature like as a as a street racing culture in the beginning it was more of like a gang banging culture it, yeah. it, it was clicks there were guns it was serious you were going to box there was shit that was going to go down your car was going to get jacked like it was serious business. You didn't you didn't flaunt your your cars. You know you 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 were secretive about these things. Every now and then you you know you show off or whatever. You go to import show off and see everybody showing their shit off. But as a street racer, it just wasn't our nature to just to be that way. But yeah. you know when you have a lot to offer, this is kind of where there's a separation with young people and fame, mm -hmm. right? They. Oftentimes you can misconstrue your relationship because they don't know they have they have a lot to offer in the form of numbers. Numbers that I'm not interested in. My yeah. my typical client isn't gonna come from um your your average YouTube channel, right? Because it's it's a very niche thing and it's a word of mouth thing. But somebody who just wants the fame and the numbers is gonna take someone like any anybody that we've mentioned um or like tj for example and use them for all they're worth yeah so you have to understand that someone like that their guards up way high yeah off the bat they've made their friends and they're not looking for more yeah you know and that's that's i think the best thing and the best approach for someone in his position um which i respect it too like there's been times where i've been really grateful to him there's also been times where you know i've 
totally not understand what he has going on, but I still respect it 100%. Um, what I do do a lot of is I give thank yous. You know, like to whoever hires me, whoever does it, I don't care who you are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably message you the next day with a very grateful text because I didn't do that before. You know, and I didn't, more importantly, I didn't feel that before. Yeah. So now a lot of times it's like, man, I get to live this amazing life. I travel the country. I get to deal with people that my kids, that's how TJ Hunt happened for me was my son mentioned him. And I was like, you, you think he's cool? No, like, I mean, it was, he was a customer of ours. Yeah. You know, at HG. And um, I'm bringing this up, but we're just talking about people and personality yeah, yeah, yeah. and how it affects it. But he called me one day after we closed HG with Heinz Keats Auto House, another place I worked, but I was very reluctant. I didn't want to do it. It wasn't something that I really, I didn't want to put myself out there. I didn't want to be on this young YouTube, younger person. It was yeah. nothing against him. I didn't know him. Um, but when my son thought it was cool, it was like a whole new feeling like, my, my kids, they're talking about this at school. Yeah. They're like, oh, I saw your, your dad or whatever. Like, <laughs> no matter how hard I try, there, you know, there's a point where TJ would, you know, he throws you little favors, which I kind of didn't want. Like, I'm really big on my Instagram being my Instagram. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want your followers. Like, I really don't. I don't, yeah. I don't want a big audience. I want a good audience. Um, which doesn't mean a big audience won't be a good audience. But anyways, when my kid thought it was cool, I was like, what do you need? You know, what do you need? And he just needed tips and, and help with, you know, I showed up with everything that you would put a body kit on and that was it really. And I was just like, whenever you have a drop, give my, give my kid clothes. So, I mean, that's literally how it started. Whenever he would drop anything, my kids had everything that he sold. Now at this time, um, do you remember his sub count? Um, no, I've never, I don't I have, I, to be honest, I don't have any. Got you, got you I've got never, you. I don't sub on YouTube or nothing, yeah. but I know when it was. It was like a year before Mickey, maybe a little less. So I want to say his car was still hideous, his BRZ. Mm -hmm. No offense, but he had these fenders on it that were, they were like, like Nakaduck kind of pulled in fenders. And it was like this lipstick color, if you remember the car. Mm. This was, well, this was pretty early on before okay. a built motor. And um, I want to say he was under 300. Got you, got you. So okay. somewhere in there. And um, he used to come in the shop, and I, I, I'm, I'm notorious for having my earphones in the shop. Mm -hmm. And even if they're off, like, I don't really, if you call me, I'm just pretending my shit's playing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I zone out. Yeah. And uh, it's for my sake and your sake. I'm not going to kind of start a conversation I can't fix, but he would come in and film, and I was like, what the fuck is this kid doing? You know, and... Uh, I didn't really have any interest until I pulled this car out one morning. You know, you, we were pulling Lambos, Lamborghinis, Mercedes-Benz out. That's like the cheapest car in there was a GTR. And then it's like, why is this FRS here? Yeah. Who is this kid? And uh, he had a LZ BMX sticker. And the BMX, I was like, he rides BMX. I don't know who LZ BMX Yeah. Is. And uh, basically that BMX and then the, my kid saying there, I was like, okay, these are signs that this is a cool person to help. And that's kind of what started all of that. But he was bringing his car to the premier shop in SD. Like we weren't cheap, mm -hmm. like not even, not even close to cheap. 
probably the most expensive shop around, but we, our service was second to none. Yeah. Just our, our intake takes an hour for a car. I mean, it's a very thorough process. So I had respect for him right off the bat because he was beyond his years on, on his picking of, you know, who to use and how to operate. And, and again, that turnaround of this kid is doing a lot of things that I don't know how to do and he's doing them very effectively. And again, he became not this, I think he was 19 at the time, 20. I, I remember his 21st birthday. Okay. But uh, it was this this little thing about TJ that his head's on his shoulders, you know? And I, I have a theory about it. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it's basically um, being so far apart from his next sibling. Yeah. You're raised, you know, very above your yeah. you know your grade level and, and you learn very fast and tj just done that very well but um going on and working with him I, i've learned um basically how to hold your ground he's really good at it he's better at it than me you know what i mean and this last sema to see it even though we don't really talk like after my use was kind of done though i mean i i have if he needs something you know he knows i'm there but when mickey came in there was like tension right these two old guys and mickey and i kind of have the same personality i think if mickey and i ever had a problem we'd be out in the back and it, it would get handled and it'd be over yeah like that's how we would deal with it and that's what i respect about mickey um so when he came in i i noticed last time you guys talked about uh um what what tj brought to throttle mm -hmm. right what to mickey I think what's often overlooked is what Mickey brought to to TJ. Definitely, definitely. Because uh, if you look at the build quality and the brands and the cars that started coming out of there at that time, I, I mean, I can't give him full credit. I mean, I'd, I'd like to say he was a huge part of it. The RX-7s and the, and the quality of, of JDM cars that came out, it totally changed. Everything changed. Yeah. You know, because he had more consulting in there, and it wasn't you know all all of that. But Mickey is a catalog for the import industry, you know, and and it's that team. I'm happy to not be, you know, I'm loving to see what they're doing, and I know I couldn't fill that position. Yeah, there's no way. I'm just a fabricator, you know. I'm a, a tech. I do pretty much everything on a car, but you know, beyond that. I'm, I'm, I fall short. Yeah, Mickey is, uh, he's very skilled in not only uh, automotive knowledge, but like I was saying, like like knife, life knowledge yeah. as well. And uh, we, we kind of get each other on the whole relationship side of things. You know, sometimes um, I'll reach out to Mickey or he'll reach out to me and it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, can you send me some parts or anything like yeah. that, you know? And even when I do send him parts, um, it's really appreciated. Right. And he makes it known because he knows on my side where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting this stuff for free. Right. You know, I'm, I'm getting it made and I'm paying for that. But I understand the value that they bring. Right. And, and it's a it's a really good relationship. And it's it's good to have somebody like that 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 appreciates things and right. who knows and i know what they bring to the table and i know what they do for us man and and if if all it took was a, a text from tj or from mickey you said hey can you send us some more and that's it i'm perfectly fine with that you know because that's 
that's the that's the industry that we're in you know um mm-hmm. marketing helps out a lot they have a really good way of marketing getting my name out there and we help them out with the parts it's a good relationship anything else that comes out of that relationship to me is a bonus right. and just just through mickey it's like you get a lot from him yeah. you know uh, a lot more than i expected and a lot more than i get from a lot of people and i appreciate that about him right and that's why i bring him up is because i i appreciate that part of him so much he's uh he's very grateful like when we built his car a lot of people would tag you once and then all of a sudden that's it you get yeah. that one you get that one hit and then it's whatever but mickey never forgets like we he brought his rx7 over at seven in the evening and 9 a.m the next morning he, he was leaving with a whole turbo kit we made and, and not only because he chipped in but i was willing to do that for him because that's the kind of guy he is yeah you know? i can't say i would do that for really i mean there's very few people that I would do that for it's really hard at this point to do all-nighters and uh you know we're still doing them even even for mickey to come out here and make the trip to do the podcast shit maybe four months it was a while ago already that he did the podcast with us and um that's why i appreciate you coming out here because you guys come from the same area and i know that's a trick dude i've made that drive before and it's a long way and i know that both of you guys have so much stuff that you have to get done and for you to see the value in this podcast to even spend your time with it dude that that makes me feel so good and appreciative you know yeah i'm glad you do and and for for me like i appreciate if i never did another interview or said anything again i'd be fine with that because we did it you know like i was uh Last night, I took my son to see Ford versus Shelby, that movie. Oh, okay. So we're walking out, and, um, you know, my 17-year-old, kids are all, they suffer from being cool, right? They, they just, you suffer from it when you're young. Um, unless you're just the kid who doesn't care, and that's where the cool starts, right? Yeah. So we're walking out, and, and I'm kind of, have you seen the movie? No, I chance? haven't. So there's, I'm, I won't ruin it for you, but there, there's a character in the movie that I can relate to heavily. And um, it was somebody who was really heavily involved with the development of that car and died in that car. Um, and I'm walking out and I'm like, really like, like it hit me at home. Even though I've heard the story, I've read the story. I, I worked for Ford Racing. I mean, like I, we reproduced Shelby's. I worked for JBA. So I'm extremely familiar with the brand, the car. Um, and I, I basically turned to him when we're leaving and I had this on my mind. Like I'm self-absorbed, obviously, but this, this is a big deal for me. You know, it's not because of anything I care about with media. It's just the story needs to be told. And honestly, we haven't really covered much of the car stuff. But yeah. um, I, I asked him, I go, what would you do? Like, what would you have me do as your dad? Like, would you rather me go out there and just bullshit him and get not bullshit, but just give up basic. This is what we do, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or should I just tell it how it is? And my youngest son's not a follower he's he's a pretty very level-headed person I, he's actually probably more level-headed than i am and uh he just says you know what tell it how it is somebody's got it you know somebody's some not everybody's story is fucking rainbows and this and that he doesn't talk to me that way but yeah 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 you know he he, he said you know just tell it how it is dad you know tell it tell what makes your story what it is and i think what it and at the end of the day what my story is is it's like you know what if you if you work hard enough 
it, it's your success is relative to your beginning, right? So if you grow up with silver spoons and, and money and all these things, you're used to a certain level of living. And, and, and to be greater than that, you have to exceed that. Well, if you grow up with nothing, and now you, you, know, are, you have food on the table, you have a nice home, and you have everything you want, you've reached a level that is just as high as, you know, someone starting yeah. off at a higher level, you know. And it, it's just important that people understand that. The kids out there understand that. If you try hard enough <clears throat> and have patience, it will pay off. Yeah. It, it's not going to be in your time. And it's not going to be, you know, easy all the time. You're going to have mistakes. But if you don't go out there and make them, they're not going to, you're not going to get anywhere with it, you know, and, and eventually be somebody that's of worth. You know, that actually has value. Yeah. Beyond, beyond the camera, when you meet them, you're just like, fuck this guy. You know, like, <laughs> fuck this guy. Yeah. I can't stand this guy. And, there, and there's only a few people that I, I I really don't hate anybody. Yeah. It's not true. I, I hate some fucking people. But, <laughs> um, there, there's just some people that you meet and you're just like, yeah. how did this person get famous? Like, uh, there's somebody really famous. I don't want to mention, but I met him and I'm sorry I did. I yeah. was like, dude, this is a bad situation. You know, we're... I think that's why I kind of do bring up the Mickey a lot because I think we need more of them. Yeah, I I think that a lot of people um, need to see Mickey as more of the guy with the beard from Throttle. You know, it's he. That's why I'm glad we had him on the podcast. And if you guys haven't heard it, I I suggest you go back and listen to that podcast. It was pretty much one of the best ones that we've ever done. Yeah, Um, import Santa. Yeah, definitely, man. But he. we need a lot more of that in the community. And just like you say, I've met so many people. And since we're talking about the YouTube space in that space, and I'm just like, you do and you don't deserve to be here. You deserve to be here because you figured out the formula. You know what you have to do and you're doing it. I can do it. I'm not doing it. So I'm not at the position you're at. And that's because of time. You know, my time is allocated to, so many different things right so i can't look at somebody and say you don't know shit about cars you're a fucking douchebag you shouldn't be there because if i wanted to be there i could be there and the only reason i'm not is because i'm not allowing my, myself that time right but then there's the other side of it the enthusiast side of it of me is that you're leading this culture in down a wrong path and you're capitalizing on the naive enthusiasts out there which think that you're what you're doing what you say how you maneuver is gospel and it's not but it will be taken that way from you know from time to time and we we all know that you know and it's it's just part of the culture man like your your sticker at some point is going to become more valuable than the bolt yeah you know and and that's kind of where everything is going it's a popularity contest you know and that's kind of where the world i live in i I kind of thrive on it because there's nothing open for interpretation when you go race you either win or you don't yeah and and there's no like there's nothing that's going to change that no no amount of likes or deletes is going to is going to delete that victory from history so you know it's it's where i thrive and where you thrive is you know obviously in your space yeah and, and what you sell um, I've never been good at selling things. I'm terrible at it. Yeah. Um, I look at money. I put money growing up the way I did. I think I put it too high on a pedestal where I can't afford my own stuff. You mm-hmm. know, like 
I, I won't go into what I charge for stuff, but it, it, the experience definitely is reflected in the price. Um, my, I didn't even get into what I do really nowadays, and, and that's really, um, I, I travel the country, you know, racing short course with uh, people I grew up watching on TV, you know, hmm. and there's a lot of times where I have these moments of, um, of clarity and, and gratefulness, you know, where you're standing in another state or another country and you realize what you're there for yeah. and what you're being paid for. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you, 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 for a moment there, you could psych yourself out real quick. Yeah. Instantly, I don't deserve this. and I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Yeah. And I felt that way at least four times sitting here today. <laughs> you know, like this is, this is just the reality of yeah. it. And, uh, you know, if you're not grateful for it, and you're not happy, nothing's gonna make you happy. You know, it's it's internalized through these these big deals that we're making um, with our business. You know, like, I wish I had products to sell like you did. You know, I could, I would probably be a lot better off financially, but. It's all about those opportunities, man. You know, um, we'll get there. I, I, I feel like that, I don't feel I'm passionate about hardware i'm passionate about what it does right. you know i'm not passionate about the pencil i'm passionate about what the pencil can draw on the piece of paper and what the artwork i'm, be, I'm interested you know? in, i'm 100 like i'm fully tattooed like i get it and yeah all really bad tattoos <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know but um i'm interested to know what does it for you like wh where do you you know like for me it's my car dead hooking and, and making a pass. Got you. You know, and, and outrunning anybody really that, that you know, on any given yeah. night or, or picking my races accordingly. What does it for you on the other end of it? Like, wh where do you get that, that hit beyond the business being successful? I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if people ever really get to that point because a lot of people, it's the finances of it you know it took me a long time to get to that point where you know i'm not worried about finances i'm not worried about bills i'm not stressing about that when i got to that point i had to figure out like yo what the hell really makes me happy because i assumed when i was younger and you know for most of my 20s that it was money money makes me happy because every time i make money i'm happy you yeah. know but once i had enough and i'm not saying that we're rich or anything but it's just when you get to a point where all your bills are paid off you buy the clothes you want and you know everything besides like you know uh, exotic cars or rolexes and chains and things like that is just like what really makes me happy and i think what it is is, is creating I, I like to create things and i like people to um enjoy what i created mm. um I, I mentioned drawing like when I was younger, I used to love to draw, you know, I, I've always been into really fine details of things and that transitioned over into cars, into the hardware, you know, that's why mm -hmm. I say like, it's just another tool to me. I'm, I'm not passionate about the actual nut and the bolt and, and it secures the, no, it's like, that's to be able to, to give somebody else more colors in their palette to paint something else and that's that's what i and then to see what they painted right. and then for them to tag me in it and to see it at shows and to see our stickers and to see how many how much pride that people have in what we create that's like where i see the value at right. um even in the the podcasting i posted yesterday that like 
this episode is 124. That's insane. And wait, I, so you've done? I mean, you've done damn near 50 episodes since Mickey's been here. Uh, yeah, whatever episode that was, I'm not sure, but we're doing two a week. Um, right now we're we're in the heart of the we're in the trenches from uh, Bolt Friday sale. Uh, you saw the orders yeah. are out there. We have so much work to do, but I have work to do with this. I can't let off the throttle. Um, no pun intended. Shout right. out to throttle, but I can't let off the throttle because I want this to succeed. Right. And the success of this isn't about money because money doesn't even interest me. Right. anymore you know um well you have that freedom now yeah You're so not bound. i'm creating stuff so when i get a message from somebody and say i listened to uh mickey's episode and it was so great like that brings me value that that's my currency you know hmm. being able to have these conversations and pick people's brains and see where they came from like your whole childhood is insane i would have never guessed that you know, and just to be able to sit here with you and hear that story and just to I'm a very visual person. And, mm. and I feel like that that's one of my skills where I can actually jump inside of your body and I can visualize what you're saying, how you felt, because how you're explaining it to me, I'm transitioning that into like trying to imagine it. Right. And um, that's 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 what motivates me is creating things is mm. i'm a very creative person and and i i don't have the uh obligation of having to worry about uh if if we're gonna make rent this month and that allows me to do the things that i really want to do that's awesome I mean, i'm still i'm still working on that end of it because when i stop moving i stop making money yeah you know and um i respect that you know i, I you. when i saw your orders going out i was like Man, people are really every every Black Friday, whether yeah. it be your orders or people that I've followed from day one on Instagram. My Instagram is really old. Like it's, I've never hashtagged. I made a joke of it. I should have taken it more seriously. It would have been probably a lot more lucrative. But yeah, I never did. But um, you know, I, every Black Friday, I'm like, why can't I come up with something? And it's mainly because of what I specialize in. It's yeah. so niche. And there's a lot of dynamics, um, engine dynamics that aren't mine to share that I use as far as what we need to, an engine to do and how we need to do it. Um, it's a very technical side. And I think I kind of may have ruined that by coming in here and talking about all that. But driving through L.A., I can't drive through L.A. or this area and not relive all that. Yeah. You know, the names and the places because... I remember that better than I remember last week. Yeah, you know it's 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 extremely clear in my head, and and the urgency to get here. I'm like shit. I'm gonna be there at twelve one. Like, <laughs> you know, after driving literally four hours and fifteen minutes, I'm gonna be there within one minute, and then I hit the one twenty six, and it was longer. But yeah, um, you know, it's on the business end of things. I I really should be pushing more of that rather than the story. You know, I mean. Uh, uh, with with our stuff here i really feel like we we just lucked out you know um i i see it as i understand where you're coming from because you know one of my good friends is ryan from rywire and he's the same thing he never runs a black friday sale and i like dude why don't you do it you should do something but looking no. at it from his side it's no, like no no not for him you can't mm -mm. and from a fab guy you know we just had on um the the last episode we did yesterday was a uh, 
uh, this guy Greg Carter from Go Auto Works, and he he was telling me a story about how last year he did a a Black Friday sale and he was booked up till March. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm stressing because we have we're one week from Black Friday, so we're we're like seven days. I'm just like, fuck, I gotta get these orders out, you know, stressing out, but not understanding that like we're in such a great position where I could just take bolts off the counter, put them in the thing, ship them out, and that's it. I don't have to weld a turbo manifold. I don't have to stay here crazy late at night, you know, burning my hands to the bones. Like, dude, I don't have any dirt under my nails, and that kind of bothers me. Now, you're, now you're rubbing too. it in. No. <laughs> I mean, that. No, I get it. You know, I get it because I'm on the other end of it. You know, and it's like, for me, it's it's busy season. Like, this is the season where the the I make all my money in the next two months. Without a doubt, I could yeah. literally work the next two months and be good for the rest of the year, like chill. Yeah. And unfortunately, I after all the years I worked, when I did get a chance to finally let things relax, I probably took it too far at times or took one too many motorcycle rides. But I have jobs that I brought in that happen to be full builds, and um, it never fails to bite me in the ass. Yeah. You know where you you you. I interview my clients. It's very important because this relationship is going to, there's going to be a lot of money involved. There's going to be a lot of property involved. Your safety is going to be involved. You need to trust me with your life or, you know, at least your car. Um, and I need to trust that you're not going to go out and use this tool to hurt yourself. You know, we have to really understand each other. So I'm really very careful about who I pick, but I've had a few that have really gone sideways on me um, due to my travel schedule and, the people that I do offer my services to when my shop's full, I'm stressed out. I'm yeah. like, my heart's redlined and I'm constantly concerned. And these people think that you're not worried about it when really that's everything. Like I'm, I'm hyper consumed with it. My wife knows when there's stuff that needs to be done. Like I just be sitting there, you know, so much on my mind, overwhelmed. And, and she just like, go to work, you know, go to work. Not like I will, yeah. you know, but I, I do, and then sometimes I'll go in there for two days and I won't leave, and and then I, I have to recoup. I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be, but I guess the point is, is it's weathering the storms that you're talking about that you've gotten past. You know, that's my biggest hurdle right now. Yeah, the financial storms and and being in California with all the the amenities, you know, it's not cheap. Yeah. So the burn rate's really high, and uh, you know, for me, it, one set of headers is is a very it's a good job to get um the problem is is that there's only so many people in, in the race community and uh they're they're kind of all there yeah. you know like we we just won the 1000 for the third time our products have completed what well, is the 1000 the baja 1000 okay the, so it's the longest off-road race um well it's not the longest the car is but the longest off-road race in the United States is the Mint 400, and then there's the Baja 1000. I always assume that everybody knows about the 1000 yeah. because it's just part of our life where, where we're from. And there's the Baja 500, so it's a thousand-mile race through Mexico. And it's, wow. Yeah, and they do it in about 16 and a half hours, somewhere in there. Basically, it's a thousand horsepower, naturally aspirated trophy truck. Okay. It's about 30 plus inches of travel um, suspension. Mm -hmm. The wheel will move 30, 34 inches. Yeah. And they basically have pits set up all through Mexico and they pin it for a thousand miles until they finish. Oh and shit. Yeah. So we you know, we get a 
I'll put a set of headers out and through one race, they look like they've been through 20 years on the street. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll literally sweat all the good materials and stainless out. And when we get them back, they're, they're, they're crystallized. It's not even a stainless material anymore on the big power trucks. But, yeah. you know, we've had uh, a lot of luck. We've won every off-road race there is in the United States or from the mid 400 to the 1000, we've won every race. We've yeah. won every, every class and short course. Um, we have headers in every class, um, everything from the little guys, which is about a $300,000 budget in the carting class up into the big trucks, which it costs about $1,400 a minute to run the truck. So if you have a failure, um, and you go out on a race weekend, our typical race weekend, our, I mean, we're budgeted a hundred grand somewhere in there. And, uh, we get about, we get about 40 minutes of track time for four days. Um, and we're, you know, Crandon this year, I would say was, you know, 180 grand just, just to be there and race. <sighs> you know, we went through nine bodies. Um, this last, our last three rounds, like I'm, I'm jumping right here in the off road. Um, we had a great season, no failures, no big failures. And then the last three rounds, um, Crandon is a, the biggest off-road race in the United States, a okay. short course race in the middle of Wisconsin. Like you literally fly two hours, excuse me, you fly a half an hour from Wisconsin, Minneapolis, into the middle of Wisconsin, then you drive two hours to the, this little town of 1,200 people. And over, you know, what is estimated 60 to 70,000 people showed up <laughs> this year. Right? In that little town? Yeah, and every off-road legend, every team, every manager, every person you could imagine is there. Yeah. And, you know, you go run the big house. And uh, unfortunately, our class right now, they're having a debate about engine size. So we have one engine size that goes first, and then we have our West Coast trucks that have a 20-second interval that come behind. We're making about 900 to the tire. I mean, on no turbos or nothing, just it's a – nascar cup engine that we run yeah and um we got to come behind them and within a lap we got to weed through those 20 trucks while battling with the fast guys and make our way to the front that's how you win the race and then uh, at the end we have a cup race which races four wheel drive two wheel drive and those other slower trucks and they throw them all together so we were there for i think five six days total we didn't finish a lap until the last day we went out Practice broke. I mean, we got landed on. We landed on a few people, you know, just trying to get through traffic, people crossing lines, you're coming down, you know, people are coming, heated at us in the pits. It's just racing, right? And we're, we're just, we either lost, the, we broke the front end or we, we lost the rear end, whatever. It's racing. And uh, you're on the radio with your driver. I'm on the radio. You mm -hmm. know, I'm, I live with a headset on in the pit. And we're just struggling to make it through this round, these rounds. And, you know, every time that truck comes in, the first turn or whatever, I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars in damage for a race that pays on a normal day $1,800 purse, <laughs> right? So it, it's, it's, it's a money race. It's, a, it's an endorsement race. It's all sponsorship. It's, it's true racing. So, the, you know, going through Cranon, we, we, we had someone lose a transmission on the last day where we really had a shot. We had finally worked out. I mean, I put so many bodies on that truck through that week. I was just sick of putting bodies on it. I mean, it's part of what I do. It's We can do it pretty quick, but you're just throwing money at the damn thing the whole time. But we had someone lose a training last race, and we had nowhere to go. 
and we just basically hit him and bent the front end. And I don't know how Brian did it, but he 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 ran them. It's Brian Deegan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Deegan. No. He started the Metal Militia. You should probably look. Oh, okay. His, his brand building skills are pretty incredible. Deegan. Brian Deegan. Um, he won the X Games a few times. Uh-huh. <laughs> and his daughter's Haley Deegan, who races NASCAR. So they they basically we have their two trucks. We have a light truck and we have the Pro Two. And then a lot of other race teams are running my product, but. A while back, when uh, I got a message one day on Instagram, I want your headers, mm-hmm. and it was it was Brian, and uh, that that eventually led to a whole bunch of other openings. I, I don't know how to assimilate it to to anybody in the import world, but well, it's a pretty important phone call. I think uh, that might come full circle into how you and I met. Would be um, through TJ. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, in, well, that's how th- that connection even yeah, came to be. It did. So, um, from the, from my side of it, I I got just an order, put it out, sent it out, whatever, normal day, you know. And then I I get a DM from uh, just some random guy, and he's like, "Hey, man, congratulations for getting on TJ Hunt." And I'm just like, "What's that?" Does that ever sound silly to you? Um. Not anymore. Not anymore. I understand it. Um, I I feel like even though I am uh, I am relatively older than some of the the, the generation that's very popular right not now. Much. I I get it. I'm not. I don't fight it. You know. Um, I've I've always known that life changes and things will change. And and just because we're in you know um, the internet forum kind of era where. You know, it's still, it's just still new and Hondas are, are cherished and this is our own thing. And to see it blow up into like, you know, the stance thing and, and people, people kind of doing, living their, their life in this differently than we did. I never held that against them. This is just, just different times, you know? So when I got that message, it wasn't like, who the fuck is that? You know? So I was like, what is that? And so he sent me the link to the video. So I clicked the video and off the bat, I already knew like, um, that it was a big deal because he had like 600 K subs at that time. And not a, in any YouTube channel, that's a lot of numbers, but especially in automotive, that's, that's big numbers, you know? So I, um, watched the video and he said that you were the one that put him on to us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I didn't know you at the time. I mean, why um, would you? Just, just from, I think we were friends on Facebook at the time, but uh, we never really had a, a reason to interact with right. each other. So I gave, I knew that he didn't have to do that for us. He did right. pretty pretty much a whole entire video of a product placement for our hardware. That, that was a big one. Like I, I remember seeing that and I was like, that's awesome mm-hmm. because I, I never miss a chance to connect people. I try. I've tried all the YouTube people that I know, uh, TJ mainly, especially. Um, I've tried to link them up with with the people that I'm dealing with. Um, Brian being one of them. Mm-hmm. I think you. I think you not knowing Brian is. is um, I need to look into it's that out for of sure. Context, Definitely. But he's blowing. Up. He's doing podcasts now. Oh he's no do, way! Yeah, he's he's really doing everything you're doing after building a brand that could have sold for, you know, he turned down, it was like 20 million, 30 yeah. million. I mean, that's kind of low for what it really was, but I mean, 
he he's paying for these races that we're talking about out of pocket, right? So this is where he's at now in life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he has a full race facility on site, on his shop. You can build a whole race truck out of there. Wow. You know, his son is the national, probably the next fastest racer that's going to come out for a while. I mean, granted, there are some competitors out there. I, I can't say that I'm not that involved, but it's, it's amazingly talented on yeah. a motorcycle. And Brian is just one of the best drivers as far as feedback that I've ever dealt with. He gets out of the truck, you know exactly what he's thinking. There's no guessing, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, he made his money from something he really believed in. Like, it was totally against the grain of what was going on in racing. And it was more of, uh, you know, it was a, like, like fuck the establishment yeah. kind of thing. Like, these gnarly metal things, all black, tattoos. Everybody started flat belly. Yeah. Like, he literally, like, like that part of time. And Moto started all of that shit. Hell yeah. You know, and me being like an original like race guy, I, I wasn't really a fan initially. And and uh knowing him now, I know I know his true personality, but back then I wasn't really you know, it was in your face and you know, a lot of people love that. Yeah. You know, there's there's a market for everybody. Yeah. And uh he, he he's really done a lot with it. So I've tried to hook him up with whoever I can, you know, like he, Here's you're getting into this YouTube space. I think they're at like seven hundred thousand subs. Oh in, shit! In like a year. Whoa. Or I know they hit like five fifty in a year. Hell yeah. Because his media guy, um, Gavin Ayala Media, shout out to Gavin. Um, he's amazingly outgoing. He's really good at what he like, incredibly good at what he does. Uh huh. And uh, like, if you just walk around like in 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 our capacity, it's incredible how you know how well liked he is. But he. he Brian hired him to follow them around, and, and their life is wild. Like, mm -hmm. they, they're, they're living on the edge, and they, they make time for their beliefs, and they're, they're really solid. I mean, they're, granted, they suffer from being human in a family like everybody else does, but they found a lot of success, at least, you know, with brands and finances in, in the world they live in and thrive in. Yeah. You know, and, and we're fortunate to be driving their semis and race trucks out there to you know wow. make it ready like his job is literally to get in and jump through that hole in the door beyond that it's none of his business you know other than set up and making him comfortable he pays us to do that yeah so you know it's it's like him coming full circle he he, he has no more bones to break like i was saying earlier and then he switched to with age comes a cage is the mm -hmm. old saying i mean i'm assuming you haven't heard that one but mm -mm. Um, basically you got to get off the bike at some point yeah. and he got into, he's six, won six championships in off-road. So. Dude, I got to look into him, man. Um, yeah. I've heard of the brand before, but, uh, as you were talking about like the trophy trucks and things like that, it just got me to thinking like, I always think about this, you know, how big, um, that, that world is to you fabricating is, you know, to me, the Honda community is like, I don't to, see it big though. Like I have to, I, I'm not like disagreeing with you, but I don't see it as being, well, I well, I guess what I, what I'm trying to say is it's so crazy that like there's somebody out there right now that doesn't care about any of this stuff at right. all, and it's not their world at all. Right. But there's something that they do care about. There's something that they're passionate right. about, and I guess that's one of the benefits of the podcast is to figure out all these different things that people are into right. that they're passionate about, and I want to experience it. Yeah. Because if somebody can feel the same passion that I have about, you know, cars or podcasting or whatever, but in something else, 
I'm, I'm intrigued by that a yeah. lot, you know? I agree. I mean, making something from nothing. Like when we walked in here, you know, your your initial deal was like, this is dope, right? Like, Thank you, man. You know Thank what you. I mean? Like everything's put together 100% professional all the way through, you know, and and down to the wall, like everything is dialed. It's how you, it's your vision. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's cool to see. Thank you. Um, I wish everything beyond my work doesn't reflect stuff like this you know like i get caught up and shit gets destroyed yeah you know like that's just a different aspect of what i do but um it's interesting to be here that's for sure like, thank you honestly thinking back it's like how did we get here you know and it's i know just... it's mickey mickey mickey's the one who recommended you know you asked me and i was like on the fence about it so you know the whole thing uh, mickey did um you mentioned it and it was just i mentioned it i i think so i think it was something that you said that you you'd like to have a combo about it but to me i don't feel like this is uh, that that you have to be a certain type of person like i would have a conversation with pretty much anybody as long as they're willing to have a conversation um i have conversations with just people that nobody would even know out there but they're just personal friends of mine and if I can finesse like a two hour combo with them so I don't have to work. And so we get to hang out during work time. You know, it's, it's just the conversation with me. I love it, you know, because everybody has their own life, you know, I'm not, I don't want to go to somebody because they can give me views or we could get, I don't, I don't want that. I want, I want this to have its own little cult following where the people that listen they're they know what they're expecting and know they know what they're gonna get and i don't want random people to be listening to this and and to be harping on maybe one word that we said or we we said something wrong or whatever you know i want this to be as as close to hanging out with friends in a garage and just bullshitting and talking as possible so um like it, it's an honor for me to have you come here because for you to see the value in it that makes me feel like these 124 episodes have been worth it this yeah. this work that i'm putting into it if i can get somebody from damn near mexico to drive out here to be part of it like it, it's it's just another sign to me that things are going good they are i mean you don't you know you don't see something when you're so close to it right you know and i think that's a lot of the reason I agree to do stuff like this. So, I mean, I make a living traveling. I, though I have my shop, my business is on the road. That's where yeah. I make real money at. And um, I always reflect on everything when I'm away from it. You know, if you're constantly here and you're constantly in your headspace, that that rhythm and that and that meaning and that purpose and all that stuff starts to fade. Yeah, you know, it loses its luster. So you need to have new things. And for you to be able to have this where you can meet and talk to people and hear different stories, you know, some, you know, more formal than others, I think that's great. That's fantastic. It's a form of, of for lack of a better word, it's just fellowshipping. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's really just being with the people that are about what you're about. Um, and long term, if this didn't work, which, you know, obviously we're you're on your way. Yeah. Um, you, you would have left behind this print, this legacy for your children to enjoy, you know, and, and the people that appreciate you, yeah, um, can, you know, kind of have a piece of you that's left behind, um, coming from somebody who didn't have a lot of, there's not a lot of documentation other than like the magazines I have, 
and and this and that or word of mouth or people that know me but beyond that my career has literally just been a means to feed my family which is all it should be definitely yeah that's my goal i don't want i don't need anything else if i've seen what fame can do on the on the wrong end of it yeah and honestly it's it's a it's a loaded gun and it's it's something i wouldn't want to risk down the road affecting anything else if that comes with something fine i yeah. mean i hope it comes with race wins like that's what i'm going for um this next season has opened a lot of opportunities as far as the the type of racing i'm talking about um where if i wanted to be in a different position i probably could so i, I mean i have a lot to consider here soon so yeah um I've just been using a lot of these times or any chance to maybe come talk to you and, and maybe something comes up during this conversation um, or the, the time spent driving, you know, where you reflect. Yeah. I, I do very well driving. Like the name of my company is just a result of being driven home after a long weekend in Vegas. Yeah, what, it, what does the name stand for? It's ilk. It's an Irish word for kin, family. It's a brand type. Hmm. So in, in Ireland, it would be like they're of the same ilk. Or they're, gotcha. they're of the same kind. So it's not ILK, it's ILK. Oh. It's an actual word. Um, I was pretty hungover coming from Vegas one time, and my my family, um, I'm third generation, third, fourth generation Swedish immigrant. My, my grandparents, I'm American, mm-hmm. but my ancestry is Irish and Swedish. So I've always been, in, you know, intrigued by the, the Celtic side of things and, and just the the old stuff. I yeah. love stuff with history and like Europe and stuff like that. And I just wanted a word that was unique, had meaning and made sense. So I literally spent hours just reading Celtic words. And I had another name that was more Spanish. It was just A.H.B. Familia. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, Anderson's handbuilt. You know, back in the day, everything was built something if you were into Hondas. So from there, it was attached to my old business who, you know, I won't even bring up because it was affiliated with a crook. Yeah. For less lack of a better word. I mean, I literally had to start over at some point because of this dude. But I wanted a word that really had to do with family. And the more obscure, the better, you Mm -hmm. know, because you won't forget it when you remember it. And nobody ever gets it right. Like, it's okay. But people know who I am and they don't know my name. And that's kind of what I'm stoked on at times. We're like, oh, that's the duty builds headers. You know, like where we had the banquet this year, the last, or at the, the race I was telling you about mm-hmm. up in Wisconsin, I was in a room with probably every off-road legend you can imagine. Like everywhere you look, you're like, oh, there's, you know, it would be like, I don't know, where you you go to the World Cup and every, everyone with the fastest car yeah, exclusively yeah, yeah. is there. And that's what this place was. And then I have guys that I meant that I look up to as mentors, a guy named Paul Michelle, who runs the Deegan team, who's been around many, many high profile builds from um, the Fast and the Furious truck. I don't know if you saw when I sold it. I sold one of the Fast and the Furious vehicles that I, mm-hmm. we, had, we had. I had it at a friend's house. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't personally have it, but I had access to it. Oh, and, wow. So the, the six wheeler truck, yeah. you know, the dually. He's the one who built that, and I basically just sold that for him. We just got rid of it. It was in the yard, and he did a lot of Fast and Furious stuff. Yeah. Beyond that, his off-road resume is impeccable. Um, he's somebody I can learn from. The last thing I want to be is a smartest guy in the room. Yeah. You know, and, and as soon as you believe that, I mean, there, there may be topics 
where I know, you know, a little more, a little more of that. But when it comes to wanting to learn more, I definitely want to be around somebody that's going to teach me something. You know, I don't want to just be sitting there preaching to the choir because, yeah. you know, you, you, there's only so much you can talk about. You know, so. Now, with the name Ilk um, and the other name that you were going with, why did you feel like it was so important to go name it towards like the family route? Because um, it's always been that way. Um, I think a lot of it is to remind me what's important. You know, um, I, I often lose sight of what's important and why I do this. You know, this this isn't a means for me to to go out and race um, or, or go out and do things. At once it was. Yeah. You know, it was like a way I'm, I'm going to get hooked up. I'm going to get free shit. Honestly, I am so, it's so hard for me to ask for something. And I think that's like, I, I've hit you up, excuse me, I've hit you up for bolts. And uh, this year with SEMA, I put myself out there um heavy like heavy we did a build with all the street outlaws guys oh okay um for a, a friend who got um unfortunately he, he they found a huge tumor brain cancer oh shit and um he's doing doing really good now um he had lost movement and uh he's had this camaro in his garage for a very long time and uh, he was a customer of mine from way back um speed society i don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. speed society um i do a lot of their fab work. Like oh, okay. If they need something, I'm their dude. Like, I'm there. Um, Mikey, who, the Mike Ranch, Mike Petruza, who works there, Charlie, um, all those guys, um, they know who to call. They know that I, I'm going to show up prepared and I'm not going to, you know, whatever we're going to do, we're going to make do, we're going to get it done. Um, so they called me about this build and Christian's had the 69 Camaro for a very long time, just sitting in his garage. He's a marine biologist, if I'm not mistaken. He's traveling a lot, and they found the tuner, tumor, um, similar to how my dad passed. Mm. So it hit home in a lot of ways. And Charlie's like, hey, we got the baddest fabricators coming out. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, he's talking about Jeff Lutz and Daddy Dave and, and all these dudes. And, and then they're talking about headers. I'm like, man, when it comes to headers, I, I got you covered. Like, yeah. There's no if ands, or buts. Like, I've seen what they can do, and honestly, I was a little, you know, you know, you can be protective of your babies, but yeah. I stepped aside. They built that, but I ended up, you know, doing a whole back half on the car. I did everything but the headers and the and the engine and you know whatever. But when it came to fab, I basically volunteered my time to get this car done, mm-hmm. and uh, all of those dudes stepped up. Um, I mean, it was like seventy. I don't know how many companies, like forty-five companies, stepped up mm-hmm. from motor to suspension to you name it, everybody jumped on board to get this guy his last wish, which, mm. I mean, it sounds, I never I don't think I've ever said that out loud, but to get his car in his hands and done for SEMA, and uh, we were able to do that. And um, there were some parts in the car in the end. I didn't want to go to SEMA this year. Like, I never want to go to SEMA. I try to avoid it. I, I don't know why. I think hmm. it's just because of the whole... I, I think the old guy in me has a hard time really sometimes accepting what's going on in the world today yeah. like i don't i don't dispute it it's fine it's hard but i can choose what i what i see and what I yeah don't. definitely so you know going there it was like i was really reluctant and and finances same thing so i eventually just worked out a deal where there there was some final things we bead blasted the car like after we finished it last minute painted the whole car and then reassembled it they did um or pfizer out in arizona so basically we got out there and i had a media credential 
So it had their name on it. They have like 1.1 million on Instagram. Not a huge YouTube following, but they do a lot with marketing on Facebook. Like mm -hmm. They're huge on Facebook. I want to say like 5 million. I don't know. Millions. Mm -hmm. um, but they're really good at what they do. And uh, so I, I had my wife with me. The ultimate confidence for me is having my wife with me because there's nobody that is is knows me better. There's mm -hmm. nobody that's seen me from day one and there's nobody that can give me honest feedback on, on what's real and what's not and, and if I'm overstepping my boundaries. Yeah. So this year I, I basically, I had proposals for a certain companies I won't name, but mm -hmm. I, um, ever since I did the Ferrari project, the, I keep telling, I hate saying I and compete, completely talking about myself, excuse me. <laughs> even though this is the time Tell the, the place. story, man. Uh, so basically ever since I did the Ferrari project, um, have you seen the Turk car with a Ferrari engine? Yes, in yes, it? yes. So I got that call one day, like, we're going to put a Ferrari engine in Toyota. And I'm like, you're full of shit. Mm -hmm. And anyways, showed up and it was real. Yeah. You know? And basically, I didn't know what I was getting into when I built that car. I didn't mm -hmm. know we'd have a, a magazine on every continent in the world. <laughs> yeah. 26 million hits in 24 hours or shut down Facebook. That was insane. It was insane. Mm -hmm. It was more than anybody was really prepared for. Yeah. You know, so uh, when we went... That was another year I didn't want to go to SEMA. And I went last minute, grabbed my son, and it was in the GoPro booth. Mm -hmm. Like, to get in the GoPro booth, they had an F1 car in their, yeah. their booth the year before. So it was like this huge honor. I remember that year. Yeah, you know, so it was a very, it was three years ago. Mm -hmm. um, it was very um, intimidating, right? It was very intimidating. And half of the car I didn't build. Like, there's a lot, I got... There's a lot more than the headers I did too. Like I got the car running on Motec and I didn't tune it, but mechanically. Um, it afforded me the opportunity to sit in front of a platform or a car that I built and talk to the sponsors that were already on board with the car and kind of give them my feedback. Mm -hmm. So a major exhaust company approached me um, and basically I broke down the dynamics of the headers. Um, which has been done through the video and multiple times why they're not the same. Um, and when we were done, they basically, they offered me a job in mm. another country. And, uh, Oh wow. Yeah. Within it's about a half hour and he was dead serious. And uh, I recently got that offer again. So, <laughs> so this year I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to parlay that. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't need to be there to engineer or design, right? Like uh, uh, there's, there's gotta be a way we can make this work. Yeah, right? definitely. So I, I show up, I have my, um, I had, like I said, I'd use the 4586 to talk to these companies and get my name out there and, and really have a, a conversation with the most educated men in this industry, men and women, whoever, um, and really get down to the nitty gritty of design and, and concept and, and making power. And I lost them right around 60% of the conversation. Like it, it was just kind of going the other way. And I could, you know, they're just like, whoa, what? You know, and it was just like, they weren't understanding, you know, what I was telling yeah. them. And, and it just marketing and not being an engine guys and whatever. And I started seeing a need for a certain thing or a need for a group of things. So I kind of used that as a starting point. And three years later, I kind of went in and I didn't kind of, I went in and I, Gave them my whole spiel on on what I I think we can do. I, I didn't point anything out. We have NDAs and stuff like that, and um, they were all, all for it to basically take me on in engineering. And there's there's parts out there already 
that I've, I've had a hand in that are, you know, being sold. And oh, uh, so I took that approach with a few other big companies, like biggest companies out there. And I and somehow got lucky with a vice president on one company. Hmm. And I, I just kind of went up and I started a, you know, a gentleman's conversation. And I was like, I just basically said, can I please have your marketing, your marketing guys in for me, I speak to him. And um, he turns out, well, I'm the vice president, you know, like, what do you need? And I was just basically broke it down to him. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm doing this, this, and this, and I need this, this, and this. And he's like, well, I think we can do that. And I said, we can, you can do better, we can do this, this, and this. And um, it opened the door for all of the, the, the type of work that you were talking about, like keeping my hands clean and yeah. royalties and something that I can actually pass on to my children yeah. when I'm gone and designs that will live on. And not only that, my trade, which is a dying trade, as far as um, beyond the welding and aesthetic is, is, is a dying art on what we do because it's very, very controlled. There's only a certain amount of length in a header of where it makes power. And beyond that, I mean, good power, mm -hmm. not just that number. Um, it's dying. So someone has to, I mean, the info is out there if you look hard enough, but someone needs to put it on a stage and maybe rebrand it and and do something with it. Like I was telling you earlier about like the washer is like you're missing out on market, yeah. right? And that market would keep me from cutting parts. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta execute on those markets and know where you can be stronger at and, and where you can grow. So this year I went in and I got eleven new sponsors. Like wow. Beyond the congrats, dude. Thank you. Thank you. I mean it's yet to come to fruition, but um that the, it wasn't like that was the goal. I, I never really set out for that. But as it started happening, the confidence grew. And mm -hmm. I said, like I said, I have my wife. And when my wife's there, I got invincible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this girl has my back. If anything's going on, I don't even look behind me when she's around. Yeah. You know? And it's like, she's going to check me and let me know, like, you're, you're out of lines or whatever. Uh, I'm, I think for the most part, I'm 100% respectful. Um, but it, it was so like the first night we got back to the hotel and she was like i can't believe you did that like, i can't believe you did that like how how well that went yeah and i was like i can't, I can't believe it we're just floating through the hotel and you know um going back to the speed society like having that badge the media you know all mm -hmm. that we literally kind of opened the door it helped yeah you know but what was said after is what really kicked it in so you know there, there's a lot of companies out there where you, you you can click up. I don't know. That's a bad word. That's mm -hmm. not a word I would use. But there's no reason why you know we're having this conversation and and you know providing a, a source of entertainment or anything. There's no reason on on a, on a business level that we can't come together at times and make money. Yeah, definitely. You know, absolutely. There's 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 somebody's got to do it, right? So you know, and that was kind of the way I approached this year's SEMA. Never ask going from never asking for anything to literally hitting up everybody I was afraid of. I mean, like I went to Nitrous Express, like the biggest companies, like rotate, uh, forge cranks, pistons, rods. When I left, you know, I had this huge stack of cards and like 50% were 100% committed to, to the project. Hell yeah, um, dude. Hell yeah. I'm trying to break the world record with my car, so. Um, I I mean talk about what that. What car is this? Uh, my my two. I have a two forty SX. Okay. I've owned it for fifteen years now. Bought it for a hundred dollars under a tree. <laughs> uh, I didn't buy it. Actually, I got out of the uh, 
going back to our other story, yeah, I completely left the import world behind. Yeah, like I was like, I'm done. I I can't do both. Effectively, I can't do both. Still working in the industry, still building, still doing everything, but I didn't own a personal car. And my, you know, eventually we bought a brand new house and all that, and it stayed empty for a very long time, other than motorcycles. Um, one day I got a phone call, and I was always JBA. I was always like, I'm gonna get a 240 one day. I'm gonna come back and smash on all you, like you know, all your V8s and whatever. I, I got something for all you. Yeah. You know, I was just talking shit when I was young. So my buddy calls me. He's like, Hey, I got a 240 for you. You always wanted one. I got it. Come get it. This is like my big brother. My closest friend yeah um guy who brought me through jba and my muscle car days when we made the cover of hot rod no three and it's a whole other yeah topic and and cars but he bought me the car and uh right when i got off the phone this is how the world works this is how like when things align and you know it's your time it's your time i, I turned to a worker we had a our own exhaust line for this company we used to have five stores i would run around and do all the heavy shit for all the stores He's like, well, I told him I got the car. He's like, that's nice. I happen to have a whole swap in my shed from one of our sand rail builds because we used to build chassis cars. Yeah. And uh, with that day, I ended up getting a full SR swap. It was an automatic, so I had to figure that out. But And a car, <laughs> like from my friends, out of nowhere. I, yeah. I went to work that day, just like, you know, I had to do another – it's probably some shitty service van or, you know, pulling manifold studs yeah. or, you know, like the <laughs> grimy work, like, but it pays good. Yeah. You know, to going home, having to tell my wife, I got another import, I got a turbo motor and I'm going to build this fucking car. Like it took me a week to tell her, <laughs> you know, like I was waiting for the right time where she was just glowing. I'm like, Hey, by the way, you know, I'm going to fuck your fuck your day up right now. <laughs> you know, like I was yeah. just waiting. So, <laughs> you know, it all came to fruition, and then I basically I did a full bone stock 180SX swap. And then I started chasing the stock block record, and we broke that record by 70 horsepower. Made like five and change. It wouldn't go any beyond that because I had cracked my intake manifold, yeah. whatever. But the car made 500 plus and has made over 300 passes. And same compression as when I pulled it down. So the goal now is to make almost triple that. I mean, we're not going to make triple that. Yeah. Let's, let's not be out of range here, but I think 800 horsepower will get it done. Um, and the car, basically I want to take the car, cage it up because it, it was getting too fast to not have a cage in it and go run sevens and have the fastest 240 SR on IRS, which is, I believe owned by a doctor right now and out of, uh, Canada. He Hell yeah, dude. Seven, nine. So, um, that's the goal. So I have, through the help of the people I spoke to, through the help of Throttle Mickey. Yeah. You know, Mickey's opened a lot of doors for me. Mm -hmm. Very grateful to him. Very grateful to TJ for the yeah. things he's done. Um, but um, we're we're gonna chase that record, you know. And and the the goal, you know, you've had Ravi on here. Yeah. Ravi's one of my biggest supporters. Hell yeah! You know, Shout from, out to Ravi, man. Yeah, Ravi's Ravi. CSF always got my back. CSF. And uh, he basically, I called him one day about another company and he was like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like, I'll give you this on top of that. You know, Robbie's a, Robbie's a hustler. Yeah, he's not he going to let you go. You yeah. Know? And uh, I have yet to repay him for that. And, you know, when I when we break this record, it's going to be payment because, you know, we're going to, that's that's what this is about. Hell it's yeah. about racing. So um, it's it just, 
I don't know, man. Having people having faith in you and you going doing what you want to do. That's yeah. the next step now. I think it's you doing good too, man. Uh, you you throwing out these alley oops, you know. Um, just like going back to the whole TJ thing. If I didn't take that initiative, like I was saying, I ended up calling him and thanking him for doing that because I realized that he didn't have to do that and told right. him if you need anything from now on, this is my personal number. And then that built that relationship. And from that has came so many others, including Mickey. And it's just opened so many opportunities for me. And that all stems from you. If you didn't make that connection, it does. At the end of the day, it does. That's that's what it is. If you did not make that connection, if he didn't value your opinion to purchase this product, if you didn't, if you didn't even follow us, like it, that whole side of it wouldn't have opened up. And it's put us in the YouTube space where mm. now we have a name with that community just from that group of guys. That's you incredible. Know? It, it is. It's crazy. No, his his reach is um, honestly, it's it's pretty incredible. Like I, I literally, uh, I, I I'm very glad you're grateful, but I don't like to take credit for something you should be doing already, right? And people that deserve it and people that should come together. If you're the one separating those two. You need to really evaluate your status as as a person and what your intentions are. Yeah. You know, when you have people succeeding around you, it's contagious. You know, and you surround yourself with people that are willing, you know, to put their shit on the line. It helps you do the same, you know, and and for you guys to connect, like I see your mentality where you're coming from, you're relentless. Like that's the word I would use for you is relentless. Um, And to put it with him, I needed a product that, no offense to anybody, especially TJ, but that was kind of dummy proof. Yeah. You know, and when we're doing a wide body on a car that was already cut up, like by the time I got there, um, it's very important that you have all those key elements, you know, that's the nutser, the the washer and and the deal. So mm-hmm. they, they just drill the hole and it works. Yeah. You know, not like the old energy with a butterfly and everything's breaking. Exactly, you know, you yeah. had something that worked. And I can't even say I'd seen that before you ordered. I was like, that's pretty dope. Like I like these. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from there, he was like, you should have, you should have, I wish I had a video of when you first saw the bolt, you know, yeah. he was like, I didn't know shit like this existed. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, there's all kinds, you know, you could think about it. Yeah. It's there. And, uh, I should probably, I should have probably, I was going to bring you a gift. Like I usually make little characters of people. <laughs> oh, that would have been cool. So I, I'll ship it to you. But I'll put it up here in the studio for sure. When I warm my, uh, my welder up or like when I do tie, I make these little tie guys. Yeah. It doesn't take long, but like I'll make you a little cartoon. Hell yeah, thank you. But uh, I have a part that he cut off the car. And then I had him, like, those are my memories. Like, I'll take part of something, not an actual thing. Yeah. And I I just had him sign it, and it's on my wall in the shop. I should shoot that over to you so you could throw it up somewhere. Hell yeah, dude. You know, because it obviously benefited you. Uh, I love stuff like that, man. Um, Me too. Even I have my buddy uh, RC from RC's Garage. He builds some of the most amazing Hondas out there. He has... I don't know where it's at. It's uh, somewhere around here. He got cover of Super Street for the Honda ep- or um, edition, and I had him sign it. And it's just like, dude, this is this is so dope. You know, I don't care that you're my friend. Or, oh, I'm not gonna have my friends saying like, this is this is what I consider memorabilia. hundred percent. These guys are celebrities to me. These are the guys that like. I I don't give a fuck about Tom Cruise. You know, if I see Tom Cruise, I'm like, oh, shit, that's Tom Cruise. I don't give a fuck. I'm totally desensitized to people's stature. Yeah. Beyond them as a person. Definitely, man. And um, 
I love that because it's it's parts of history. Right. This I I feel like this era that we're in right now, we're all experiencing this this weird thing that we don't even know what it is. But in all of our lives, this is like the boiling point. Things are so crazy for all of us. And ten years from now, we could all be somewhere else. You know, at a SEMA. If I'm not retired in ten years, <laughs> I'm gonna be an angry motherfucker. <laughs> we could be wherever, run into each other somewhere, and then just you know talk back about those times and it's it's good just to just to have that history you know like yeah. you said if if i stopped doing this podcast today it was a project that i was doing and it was cool but this is going to last forever right. this is on the internet this is out there yeah. so when i'm 20 from 20 to 30 years from now i could go back and listen to this and be like damn life was crazy at that time you know that i can relate to that on a level of an, another reason of being here period you know like there's no, I don't know, anybody, if you've ever worked with me, it's impossible to get a good interview out of me. You're, yeah. you're going to figure that out real quick. I don't talk loud. I don't really, I'm, I'm pretty self-conscious yeah. like on a, on a uh, out there space. I do very well with public speaking, but cameras, for whatever reason, trip me out. Yeah. I don't even know if that camera's on. Oh, it's on. But uh, <laughs> um, So, you know, like, it's, it's a... Uh, it's a head thing. It's just a confidence thing. You know, if you, if you think about anything too much, it becomes too much. Yeah. It, 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 it gets the power you give it. And the same thing with the things we're talking about. When I, um, that part that I saved from that car wasn't about TJ Hunt. Yeah. That was about that time, that space, that place, and where we were at. Mm -hmm. And no matter where I'm at, I'm going to look at that. Nobody else is going to understand what yeah. that means. You know, even when I did it, he was like, why are you taking this? Like, fucking trash and i go no it's not this is what we did you fucking cut your car up dude this is part of your car like i don't know if you finance this shit but somebody <laughs> would <laughs> yeah, right yeah 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 like i don't know so you know and now you look he started putting all his wraps on the wall well at least the old shop but you know he's not kind of the sentimental guy yeah like he's a uh, solid yeah like solid across the board but i need those reminders like i have um if you ever come into my office it's there's a shitload of magazines and there's nothing but stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I made, we made the cover of super street and, uh, in one year, shit, we made every cover from here to Europe, Asia. Um, I've made every hot rod five Oh magazine, super Chevy. No uh, shit. Import tuner. Wow. Um, I have a cover from almost every magazine available. Um, Strictly just doing my job, yeah, and doing it for the right people. When I when I left ARD or the B shop, I should say, when yeah. I was doing all those swaps, I went to a full fledged V eight race shop and a header design company in two thousand three, and I became the sole exhaust fabricator um, test guy, uh, where we were doing car VO numbers and dynoing and make you know doing Ford Motorsport stuff, racing Trans Am's cars, basically old muscle you know yeah on the tracks old cars on the tracks and i brought nothing with me but everything i learned in the import world and started applying that to these engines i mean one thing i found out really quick is they blow the fuck up real quick if you put any kind of boost to them on a ford mm. like you get 500 550 on an old 289 yeah. 302 you're gonna kick shit all out of that motor we did it multiple times so basically we figured out how to overcome all that and we brought a whole new game to that industry. We started turbocharging these things. And if you look right around early 2000, you'll see a huge influx of 
turbocharging. And we basically did one of the first ones. I mean, not first turbo, don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, Gil yeah. Banks was doing that shit in 1970s. One of the smartest men you ever meet. He's a diesel company owner. But basically, we started, the main tech there is like, hey, let's turbo my, my fastback, <laughs> a 67 fastback. And I'm like, let's go, right? Hell yeah. And uh, it was in a hailstorm. The car was fucked up. Um, in 30 days, that was a cover car on Hot Rod, and it made number two car of, of the year for the next year on Hot Rod Magazine. And it was just strictly passion, hard work, and literally take off parts from diesel trucks and everything. We made like, I don't know, 710 wheel. And it, I was telling him he wouldn't even let me drive it. Yeah. I mean, I almost got the car taken when it was in primer, but you know, like it was amazing to be on the ground floor of that and see where that went. And now everything's turbocharged, like everything. Yeah. And um, a lot of knowledge was lost with that. But again, we were able to use all our import stuff to go to the V8s and uh, build a whole new legacy there in the V8 side of things. So it's pretty interesting what you can do. Dude, congratulations, man. For what? That's just, just doing what <laughs> you, you love, bro. You know, just being able to uh, to build something and to understand how it works and to be part of all of these projects. Like that's so awesome. You know, it's just, uh, it is. You know, and for all of us, it's, uh, I don't know how it happened. Yeah. You know, like I really don't, I know that I just, when I stopped focusing on, um, being, I, when I stopped worrying about other people, yeah. you know, there's, there's a couple kind of people in this world and there's like, say you're on equal ladders. There's the kind that they just want to cut yours a little shorter and make themselves feel taller. Yeah. And then there's people that just fucking step up and make more work out of it, you know, and raise their shit higher. So you gotta build your shit higher. Yeah. Those are the people that I'm after. And that's the kind of person like, when I was a young man, it was hard to be, you know, you're just like, you want everything so fast, Yeah. you know, and, and it's kind of, you want to just want to run people, to, run through people to get it, you know, and it's just, it's not the way. Now you being more of a, a quiet person, not really, um, maybe not that social or, or I'm I'm fine social. It's like I, I'm fine in all 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 aspects. If I have a choice, though, like I, I is, would rather be more just. That it's not something that that. What do you what do you think uh, the the reasoning for that is? Um. Do you feel that a lot of people don't? Um, I could use some veneers, maybe. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Like I I don't I I just. I'm I'm this six foot tattooed white guy that's just totally misinterpreted ninety nine percent of the time, and I just don't bother correcting him. Hmm. Like I, you fucking believe whatever you want to believe, man. Yeah. You know, like it's not my job to make you believe who I am. You know, if if I'm somebody that's important to you, then you figure it out. You know, like I'm not out here to fucking be popular. Yeah. Like if just ask anybody that knows me back home, like I. I'm in my own space, I'm on my own time, you know, and, and it affects people sometimes. Like I need to be more effective at it, but there's the creativity side of what I do is very hard to plan. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like, all right, Tuesday, one o'clock, mm -hmm. create something may fucking amazing, right? Make it worth 30 grand. Yeah. It's hard to do. It's very intimidating. And especially when someone comes to you and they want something different every time. 
I've never made the same part twice outside of a company. So it's, I'm at the point now where I'm like, I'm out of tricks, right? Aside from header building, mm -hmm. I don't really want to, um, I want to thrive in the import side. Yeah. But the clientele is becoming extremely hard to deal with. And a lot of it is demographic money and everything else. So let's just say this. Um, finances to the side, not worried about that. What what would Eric want to do? Paint a picture of your, your life. You, However you want to, you program it how you want. What we, it's what exactly want. now, just more money in the bank. 100%. Gotcha. I wouldn't change a fucking thing. Hell yeah. Um, not a fucking thing. I'd have more more time to not stress you know because even the time that i'm not working I'm, I'm 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 paralyzed by it yeah you know like there there's times where i wake up and my chest is pounding and i'm not consciously ang anxious yeah you know but my body's like you're you know <laughs> yeah. the shop bills are due the fucking houses due, the trucks do the ducatis do and i'm just like i can't keep up you know, yeah. I can't keep up. Every time I turn around, uh, there's a there's a bill alert. Bang, 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 yeah. bang. I haven't had a paycheck, um, like a solid one, like a big, probably eight months. You know, these builds, I, people run out of money. You get your car. Yeah. You know, I may be building your shit. And let's say we started out with, we had a we had a number of 60 grand, right? We're building the whole car. Right? And then you're out of money. Where does that put me? You know, it's not my obligation to clean up this mess. Yeah. You know, I'm a one man shop and that's, that's a lot of my burden right now or, or doing something that spreads me too thin. I'm very guilty of that. I'm, that's probably what I'm most guilty of is, is an, we're just talking about a third party Eric here mm -hmm. would be someone that thought about his promises a little more, you know, or, or, you know, not, not so much promises, but. I would handle my scheduling differently. Do you feel like you um, overload your plate because you think in your head that you can handle it or that you are trying to be a people pleaser? Definitely not a people pleaser. 100% not a people pleaser. Um, just ask anybody <laughs> that you know that knows me. Yeah. Um, and that's not a it's not an ego thing or anything like that. Um, I think it's me getting older. And, you know, you do things at a certain speed when you do them a lot, like I used to drop Honda Civics all day, right? I can drop a Civic in 13 minutes from the ground up and down, all four shocks, springs out, 13 minutes out the door. Yeah. That's, oh, shit. that's, that's the record, right? Whoa. Uh, I've done a swap in four and a half hours, uh -huh. like from nothing or lowering a Mustang in 20 minutes. These are all bets I've won. Yeah. Um, nowadays, I'd probably take me 13 minutes to fucking figure out or to put the feet on the, the rack, like, you know, oh, my back. And, yeah. you know, like, you're not, you're not this young chicken anymore. Yeah. And, and me, I'm completely screwed together. I've, mm. I've broken a lot of shit. My hips and my shoulder, you know, and I just don't move as fluid as I used to. And I'm not as sharp as I used to be. But when it comes to fab, I'm in my realm. Yeah. You know, like, there's nothing there. I know my dimension. I know what needs to happen, especially when we're talking headers, because there are rules that we follow that are very, very strict on how this engine's going to make power. There's no rules or sanctioning bodies that dictate these things, yeah. but to the engine builder, it shows. Yeah. And to the driver, it really shows. But, you know, if I don't follow 
those rules, then I'm going to be guessing. And I don't like to guess, like when it comes to technical shit. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm off track here, but what would, would be interesting what you were going to ask. I was like, I don't Frank, even know. I haven't even, shit? I haven't even looked at that oh, once, man, dude. dude. These are the best kind of conversations to have because it's it's just it just flows so well you know there's not any topics that i need to bring up because it's it's all just coming out you know and well, uh, that's kind of how what i planned you know when i plant shit yeah but i was like I, I i honestly there's so much to talk about that i want to talk about because not because of it's important to me yeah right i know that out there right now there, there's not a lot okay but I, I've told you my story and I didn't tell you my story for you to feel bad for me or anything. I've, I've fucking triumphed over those. Hell things, yeah. Right? And then not because of anything I did. It's because somewhere down the road, I found the means to an end and something that helped me through that. Um, and the right people. Right. So somewhere out there right now, there's some broke kid with no food in the fucking refrigerator and you know everything I, I couldn't imagine being a kid nowadays with that fucking device. i told my son that yesterday yeah I, I tell my kids that all the time i was like look i cannot tell you what it's like to be a kid in 2019 i have no idea what it's like to be you i just know that you need to stick to your moral moral boundaries and that is your that is your rule that's your that's your fucking bumper right mm -hmm. there you stay in that and never sacrifice that for anybody and you'll be okay, right? That's as much as I know. Mm -hmm. But to the kid out there that's poor and the kid out there that believes that you have to have these things yeah. and you, and, and you, you know, it's just unobtainable because they've, they've been kicked down so many fucking times. Their time will come. Your time will come. And, and, the, and the, the thing is just to stick it out. You know, it, it gets really hard. You know, it's a very you feel alone in the world when there's nothing to eat and there's nothing to do and the simplest things in life are unobtainable like a fucking signal yeah. for your phone you know like or you know growing up with a 13 inch black and white tv you know you, you find ways to entertain yourself mm -hmm. and sometimes those burdens or those things you see of the have nots are the greatest things that you could ever happen to you because it's going to lead you into greatness it's not going to tie you up in petty shit that other people are doing it's going to free you to chase what you're after and, you know, hone your craft, you know, and that's all of us old guys really is the culmination of a bunch of years not giving up. Right. And Definitely. just fucking pushing on that door. Like, you know what? I'm not leaving, dude. And, you know, for me, there, there had to be an X factor, which is definitely racing. Like I'm, like I said before, I had to compete. Right. And, yeah. uh, the kids out there that have the talent behind the wheel will find a ride, you know, like th there's just people out there that, that it's not even about hating or just being on agreement. They're fucking struggling. You know, the world is a very hot and cold place right now. You know, you either got money or you don't. Yeah. And, and it's just the middle class is going away. You know, I was raised by my whole family is generations of blue collar. You go to fucking work. I don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I've never heard a complaint out of anybody from my family, you know, and it, did we not have family? No, we didn't have any family time. You know, I was alone a lot, but I understood and I respect the shit out of my, my family yeah. for doing that. So 
basically the message is is if you believe in something enough you may it may wait till you're 40 something years old and and it may be some young guy who come by that that just might be your break that wasn't the case for me but you just don't know where those breaks are going to come from but you got to be you know there and have something to offer maybe that break was uh going to that honda track yeah, that no. The biggest the break was going to you know that dirt jump spot. I look I look back at my life and I think that my break was when I uh, when I moved to Nevada. You know, I I lived in northern Nevada for I was just about there three. Really? Yeah, where I was at? just in the summer store. No shit, yeah. In Reno. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was my dream. Bro. I loved it out there, dude. It was it is calm. I mean, it's calm. We stayed in the we had a race there. Up yeah. In the, I wish I was more familiar. I flew in, but um, there's a, a a random casino uh-huh. that everybody stays at. I can't okay. remember where it was, but where you describe like the Summit Store is a few miles away. But we had an off road race up there. Yeah, and uh, my buddy hates. He just moved. Uh, he got a new career and moved up and relocated. He fucking hates it up there. Oh right? yeah, I, I, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I, I I didn't like it, but that was a turning point for my life i uh i lived there for about three or four years and i learned a lot about myself and i had to go through a lot of uh tough lessons and then i i realized that like seeing opportunities and seizing opportunities um there was a lot of value in that and i've really honed in on that skill and you know right now um that's why i want to talk to everybody because you never know where something is gonna go like i said um just you making that connection for me did so much for me and we didn't even know each other just imagine how just imagine where things can go if you have a three and a half hour conversation did we talk three and a half hours (laughs) oh shit three and a half hour conversation with somebody you know what's crazy that's not even that's wild you know yeah you were you were asking me like I kind of, I think it's kind of funny because you're like, oh, introverted and don't talk. Yeah. Dude, when I get somebody that I like, like to talk to, it's fucking over. They're like, fuck, I start a conversation with her. No, it's awesome, you know? man. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. That would be, you know, be silly, but I do get it out with the right people. Like, you know, you, you have those people you can talk to. And for whatever reason, I mean, I don't know you from, I mean, we, we are on each other's Facebook. I pay attention. But as a person, I, you never know who Frank really is. Yeah. And I'm not saying I know you now. But, you know, it was cool the night. This is this is the irony of life, right? Was when I went, I was standing in line to that club and yeah. I met you. I'm just standing there, right? I'm like, I'm fucking too old to be here. I don't want to be here. I'm like literally crossing arms and just, I don't want to be here. I forget, I forget who I was even with. But I, somebody comes up and hugs me from behind. Like, yeah, I remember it was you, it was Ryan, and or, or there was you and um, Chris. Yes, Generate. Yeah, but they the people I were with made it in the club. Oh, right, okay, and they had me you, at the and they they pulled. You. So I'm like, what are you fucking tripping on, right? And I yeah, I I left, but then I, I before that we were because yes. they let us in before everybody. Yes, yes, yes. And TJ was waiting in line. I didn't know he was there. Yeah, um, but. I was just standing there, and I hadn't talked to TJ in, in, in all honesty probably like two years, mm-hmm. right? We, I want—I don't want to say we had a falling out, but sometimes when you do business, it affects things. Definitely. And you know, I, I probably at a certain point should have 
brought certain projects back to my shop to handle things rather than you know do everything on the road but anyways i get a, i'm getting hugged from behind like i'm just standing i'm like who the fuck is hugging me and i turn around and tj's just sitting there like just smiling like no time has passed kind of buzzed just chilling and smiling and it made my day yeah you know it made my day because there you know like i, I appreciate his personality fuck all of his success yeah. fuck all of that shit Honestly, some half the times like I'm like, fuck this kid, right? Yeah. But I don't I don't mean that. It's just like he's a busy man, right? He's got a lot of shit going on. He's got bigger fish to fry. Um, but when he came in and, and that gesture happened, I was like, all right, cool, we're cool. Like like that's all I needed. Like we didn't have any real beef. Yeah. It was never said. And then I walk right over and I look over, and it was Chris and I think it was you or whatever, but. I won't go into detail like what made me laugh about the whole situation or what made me easy with it because you had made some comments online before, but it was a very interesting segue to meet you from TJ there. I'm like, I'm literally here in the middle of Vegas and these are the two guys I run into. There's got to be a reason for this, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, hell, I got a fucking bomb-ass sushi dinner out of it. Uh <laughs> We actually went to that restaurant um, with the owner of it's like Mustang Dino and and some Speed Society guys. Yeah. Uh, this last trip, so I was just sitting there and I was rem- I was recalling that when I was there, it was the four of us. Yeah. It was you, Ryan, Chris, and myself. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know. And my how- wife was there too, I believe. No. She was. C- oh, she was coming that night. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. She was coming that night. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Everybody was having a good time. Yeah. You know, we were chilling. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it was just like. It was an interesting day. I'm like, you sure you want me to go? I'm not fucking whatever. And I got it. Let's go. And uh, it was a good time. I don't like to leave people out. I don't care if I don't know you. Uh, like, I knew of you. And we've had conversations, but we weren't friends. And that doesn't matter to me because mm-hmm. I've been in that position before. And that's like a terrible feeling, you know? If, um, well, I mean, a younger a younger person, yeah. But, you know, when you're older, it's like whatever. If if we're all hanging out and somebody can't get in or something can't, it's like, I can't. I can't go in. I can't. Yeah. It's it's inside of me. Right. Where I'm just, I don't care if, if we, we're not even the closest of friends. I, I can't. It's not right. It doesn't feel right to me. You know, I can't. I'm usually the one when we go into clubs or something to be like the last one to go in just to make sure. All right, no problems. The dress code's cool. Everybody's cool. Let's go in. And it's just that, I see when, that in you. when when you were just like chilling there, and we were gonna go do whatever. I was like, dude, let's just go. I don't. Yeah, well, Chris is. You have to understand too. Chris is a good friend of mine. Mm. You know, um, he's actually hired me, flown me out, and I spent six days staying with him. In all honesty, we probably worked like a total of one day. Yeah, <laughs> and he gave me like the dopest trip through seattle like if you are ever in seattle and you don't call chris you fucked up really oh my Hell god yeah. dude, that dude will take you through seattle I, like when i came home i was like we gotta move to seattle <laughs> I mean, if, if you got four million to drop on a condo like yeah. you know go to seattle um but she's like no nah, fuck that you've already been there it's work and i'm like no this place is dope we gotta go back yeah so we did we eventually did a it was 11 day road trip we no way flew into seattle Chilled in Seattle for three days, drove to the tip of the United States, and then just slowly drove down the 101, all the way to home. 
dope. It was, just, it was the most relaxing thing I've ever done. That's ever. awesome, man. Yeah. I've never been out there before, but I would love to go out. Seattle's so dope. Like, if you're a Cali boy, especially, and you're used to, you know, water and whatever, it's a whole new take on it. Yeah. You know, you think you got, think you got it nice here. It's super dope up there. And, you know, you have the right tour. It gets even better. Yeah. You know? We were just hanging out this past SEMA with Chris. Yeah, well, I'm sure you were with Ryan. Yeah, what the fuck did we even do? All I, I was walking in together. I saw you and Robbie doing a podcast, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, that's right." Definitely not a conversation <laughs> I'm walking up on. And they're like, "That's that's fucking hill crab. You just want something." And it's like bullshit because you're like the only two dudes I've ever hit up for anything. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm not gonna walk up to fucking both of them right now, bro. That that stuff doesn't mind me. No, I know it doesn't. At I, all. I, I, you know, and there's don't, don't, there's don't there's would. certain people. This is this is what I do, okay? Uh, I do this a lot now. I test people because, okay, I'm going to throw you this bone right here. Let's see where this goes, you know? We'll see how this relationship matures. So I'm going to okay. do my part. Let's see where your part, what you do, you know? And there's more than not, there's to get disappointed all the time, but it's not a disappointment. It's just this is like a test. Okay, yeah. cool. You want something I have? All right, cool. Here it is what are you going to give me what how how are we going to build this relationship right you know and uh but for some people it has worked out great you know and um even though you may not feel that i owe you something i i think that you did something for me that you didn't have to do and i i hold a lot of value in that because there's a lot of people that can do things for me and we've built that relationship. They've seen where I've come from and they just choose yeah. not to do it just because it's not the it's not in their thing today. They're not yeah. thinking about me. When that connection can be made, when this person's working on this SEMA car, when this person has so much influence in the community and they're putting a car together or whatever, I don't come to their mind. Right. That's like when I, if I'm working on a car and you know they they it's need some wild. wiring done and I'm just like oh, I don't know you know I would call I would tell Ryan yeah you know all I do it so much all the time and that's why Ryan and I have this close relationship and I don't have that relationship with so many other people in the community because it's like dude nuts and bolts you can use it on every single car I know pretty much the most influential people in the import community right. You would think it would be like a no-brainer. Right. Okay, let me, they'll hit up Frank. I know he'll take care of it. You know, just let me throw him this all you. Yeah. Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But for somebody that I don't even know to do that for me, that, that's, that says a lot about you and your, and your character. And I really appreciate that. I'm glad you do. Like it was a, it was a no-brainer, you know, and I, I, I appreciate it when people do it for me. And again, it's. It's the important thing. And I'm a huge fan. The smaller the part for me, the more important it is. Yeah. Like the those details are fucking huge to me. When you see, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm old and jaded, right? Yeah. Like the miscolored engine bay. Yeah. That became popular because we were too broke to paint our engine bays. <laughs> yeah. Right? And now it's like, what's popping? That's just what people do. And and it it, it kind of caught on. Um, some things happen by mistake. Some things are very intentional. And when you set out to offer hardware that people can use and and further their builds, you know, you really helped it out. You helped me out. You know, you 
when I have, you know, like when I ordered from you, I ordered a quantity and a size and, and it just gives me a range. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. need, you know, this kit. I just need these, this many and this, this whatever. Yeah. And uh, I got them. I'm like, they're dope, you know, and uh, I need that. I, I have yet to make an order with money. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. But, you know, I have no problem spending my money with you. It's just my mind. It's like the bottom line is I can make that stuff. Yeah, and I choose not to because you've you've made it very easy for me not to. And you you help me out, you know. I'm like, like I said, is money isn't a motivation for me anymore. No, no. Money so money comes with good relationships. Yeah, it's 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 all about you know building relationships. I help you, you help me, and it's not like okay, well, I helped you that last time. Where's where's you're gonna help me? But it's that when that when that thought comes into your mind, like who do I know that does hardware? I just want my name to pop up, and that's that's pretty much yeah. all I ask. Oh, it will. I mean, I th- I don't know if you remember for a while though. I, I shot you a few messages because on one of your cars you had a you had the, the pie cut intake done on it. Yeah. And I was like, I wanted to change it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I missed you. I was like, I think I could. I think I could do that a little different. Yeah. You know, that's pretty much all I'll ever tell you. If if I want to do something out, I'll be like, I think I could do that a little different. Yeah. You know, that's as much as you're going to get. Unless you're a real close friend. And, that looks well, like shit. Topic. No, no, no. It wasn't yeah. that way. But I was like, for for a details guy, for me, it was the one thing that I saw that you didn't have control over. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of people pointed that out to me. And that's the same thing. I, I don't weld. And this is, this is the vision that I had. And this is as good as it came out at this time. And I know that that that's not like this isn't my hundred percent. This isn't like okay. This is this is how this is just one step right. where the car is at right now, you know. And even when people did point it out to me, sometimes when people point out some, to, something to me that is like my my idea how I wanted it to be, that bothers me. But when people pointed that out to me, I'm like, damn, you're right. You're definitely right about that. That's that's an opportunity that I have with that. It, it was, and it was like a door for me to open that relationship, you know, because again, when I, me doing builds, there's a lot of part, I, I rely on hardware. Yeah. It makes my parts look fantastic. And it would be no different than me having a washer on my car that had a rough cut. It had never, it never had a final pass. It never got cleaned up. Yeah. You know, you're seeing all the tool path on it. You're going to go, fuck that. I'm going to send you washers that don't have a tool path in it. And it's no different than when you see something, especially a focal point of an engine bay that's pie cut if it's not executed perfectly it's not executed definitely uh, it, it's very hard to get right on aluminum yeah and it, i think it, whoever did it did a great job but you're predisposed uh, to being fucked before you even start with yeah. that material no definitely and that's uh, outside of my expertise so it was like it didn't even click in my head but once once it did come up then i was like okay cool this makes sense no, it wasn't so much, i'm not even it was, it was dope. I wasn't even hating on it. It was just like when I was reaching out. And I, when you look in your inbox and like, hey, I can build your shit better, in other words, mm-hmm. you, you're really not going to – I don't want to be that guy. So, you know, it's just kind of building that relationship, yeah. you know. And that's why it's cool. Like people always say, um, you know, again, Mickey – I'm bringing up Mickey again. because He's really our, our common denominator. Yeah, definitely. He's our reference. He's like, you know, he's our sounding board. He has an eye that it's second to none. Like when it comes to seeing a build and doing it, he does, when it comes to fab, 
He's he knows what to do. He can fucking fab beautifully. He just calls me for it. You know, he doesn't weld. He doesn't do any of that. Those guys are starting to do weld. We have a there's some cool shit that's gonna probably eventually come out of there. Not, I mean, they've had some amazing shit yeah, come yeah, out of yeah. there. Don't get me wrong. Like those, I don't think people understand what it takes to do what they're doing. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And especially when you're OCD like Mickey, you know, like I'm gonna see it, and that's my approach. Like you won't see that. That doesn't. That doesn't. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. live here. Um, but they, you know the Mickey spec thing. My, 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 my wife was wearing that shirt this morning. Like I'm going <laughs> in, and I'm like, well, you fucking got a Mickey spec shirt on this morning. <laughs> I'm like, really? You're that, that's too far. Because <laughs> she just takes my shirts, you know, yeah. sleeping or whatever. And I don't really wear the Mickey spec shirt yeah. because it's just it's a dope shirt. I want to keep the memory. And I walk in, she's wearing it. I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but anyways, when Mickey needs something, he calls me. Or he calls John. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know who JSP is, but John's... JSP Fab? Yeah. Uh-huh, I've heard of him. John's a really good dude. And he's very, extremely talented. Um, especially in, you know, his new machining deal. He's fucking brilliant. Um, he did everything that I did and probably more. Um, not on the header and the race side of things, but import dynamics turbocharging and everything and all that whole umbrella he was under it and he finally just had enough and then moved on to the machining side so yeah um it's an honor to be i worked for john for a month and there's just not enough room for whatever and then i eventually moved on to the company that introduced me to racing yeah and shit um but it wasn't for john and my old beat up hatch like this was like six years ago then i wouldn't have had all these new opportunities so it's all in a roundabout kind of way. And uh, seeing one of Mickey's builds there before I ever met Mickey. Like, I didn't even realize it was Mickey's car until, fuck, long, until we, like, Throttle was already thriving in this whole, this new place. It was the most beautiful A86 I've ever seen. Like, I don't, I don't want to bring it up. Sorry, bring it up, Mickey, but that car was fucking dope and had the capability to really break you know, hurt some feelings and it was just a total package car. Yeah. And, uh, looking back, John's like, that was his 86. I'm like, no way. Cause I'd go there every day and, and just the detail was, it was amazing. He's got a good eye on him. And I saw that, uh, I finally saw the 240 in person at SEMA. Shit's sick, man. Yeah. It's, if I ever built a street 240, I couldn't, I couldn't really stray from that chassis aside from nothing really. Yeah, I mean, it it actually has my valve cover and a lot of my engine parts on. Oh, it really? I, I donated to yeah to Calvin. Shout out to Calvin. Yeah, oh, nobody ever talks about Calvin. Um, <laughs> I want to have Calvin on the pod, Calvin, man. <laughs> Calvin's the fucking homie. Yeah. See, I'm I'm one of the most low maintenance people you ever meet. I don't give a fuck if you don't call me in ten years. You call me in ten years, we're gonna leave right where we started. Yeah. I don't I don't care if you don't we don't go eat or nothing because dude, honestly, I'm not gonna call you either. Yeah. Like I'm bad at it. Calvin's the same way, you know, no time passes every time I see him. And every time I've taken the time to explain something, he's totally, you know, honed in and perfected it and gotten better at it and appreciated it. Is he totally into the car thing? Probably not smart thing, but he's successful whether he wants to be or not, you know, and he's just a part, he's just as much part as, as Hunt and Co as, hunt itself yeah like 
Calvin is that dude. Yeah, man, I, I, I find him very interesting, especially when they had the podcast. That's the word. Um, I would watch some of the episodes and some of the topics he would bring up. Um, very interesting to me, and they had nothing to do with cars. I don't, you know? I don't think I've ever seen one. Um, his outlook on life is very mature, and yes, he's just gets wild and whatever, but that's just him having fun. Yeah, you know, like I, I can't say I know him a hundred percent well, but I, I, we have a lot of conversations. Like when I used to go by there a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still have. I have to go by. I have two builds going on there right now. But you know, when I see Calvin, it's just like it just makes me smile. Hell yeah, he's a happy little dude. But... Shout out to Calvin, man. Yeah, but yeah, he needs to be pointed out. Yeah, and you she... cut this short whenever you want. Like, dude, this trip. is such a such a great combo, man. I just um, I don't want you to feel like. Ooh. No, dude, I think we touched uh, a lot of stuff, and I know there's a lot more in there. But this it's uh, just car shit. <laughs> this went great, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming. I appreciate you sharing with us. And it's just, uh, it's opened my eyes to a lot, you know. And that's why I like having these combos because you get to know these people. You see their 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 name, their business, and things like that. But you have a certain um, perception of them in your head that may not be true, you know. And not in a good or bad way, just... In a certain way, I'm sure there's people that see me, they see the things that we do, see that that picture, and they they think of the brand, they think of Downstar, they think of me in a certain way. But until you sit with somebody and have like an intimate conversation for hours on end, that's like there's a lot of value in that. There is, there can be. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't matter how it's received, you know, as long as it's received by someone, I guess. Yeah. Um, it didn't make sense, but. You know what I mean. I think people are going to enjoy this combo for sure, man. Depends on how you chop it up, I guess. No, we don't chop nothing. (laughs) Straight up, dude. I put the intro, outro, we're ready to go. Uh, And I know that our our listeners, they expect episodes like this. You know, they expect long ones. And um, a lot of guys, they're just going through their work day. You know, they got the Mm -hmm. headphones on and they're taking care of whatever they got to take care of. And um, at the least of things, I I hope that we're able to make their day easier and more enjoyable yeah i know you've made mine a lot you know a lot of Thank a you. lot of these podcasts they because they're relatable this is what we do you know and it's kind of um it can be overload sometimes thinking about all this import shit which honestly isn't even you know a small percentage of really what is what my company does yeah but it's where my heart is and it's where my hobby is and it's where the passion came from and it's where I'm always going to stay. Yeah. You know, I'm never going to go fucking V8 or none of that. I have nothing against it. I love it. I love driving the cars. I love being afraid of them. You know, healthy, if, you know, afraid. But yeah. Uh, I'm going to build imports to the end. Hell and yeah. You know, like, that's it. So. I feel you on that one, man. Eric, thank you so much for being here, though, thank bro. You for I know me. you got to trek home. and. Uh... I'm fucked now, so I'm chilling. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go have a dinner with my sister in long beach so. oh sick okay cool you think i'll wear these shoes for you <laughs> 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 eric thank you so much bro thank um, you so me, before we get out of here uh can you tell people where they can find you at um you can find me at ilk fab inc on instagram and there's an email there if you need it and beyond that just dm me 
and I'll do whatever I can to help. I Dope, mean, man. If you have uh, any questions or more importantly, a race car that you'd really like to make power with, like, please give me a holler because I can definitely help you. I guarantee it. Dope, dude. And I'm, I'm glad that we got this story out there, bro. I don't know what we got out there, but there's something out there. There's something. Just like you said, you work so close to to your business or your fab that you really don't understand what's going on around you. You know, this, the story and the things that you talked about, it's it's your life. It's what you've been through. So maybe to you, it's, it's just normal. But to others, I guarantee it'll bring a lot of value to it. I appreciate that. And I hope they do. You know, to me, it's just a normal conversation get people on the you know at least where mine's my mind's at yeah and it's awesome to know because in the future you could come back and listen to this and i know i'm going to be doing that in the future listening to these old episodes and it's just going to show me where we were at at that time and hopefully in the future we're in a better position than we're at now but i I don't even know how that's going to happen because right now it's like i always say today's the best day of my life because i've experienced every day in the past from now You know, um, I have, it's crazy, man. And I never would have thought about that. You know, in the, in the past, there's always things that I wanted, things that I I felt incomplete. Um, but right now it's, it's an amazing feeling and it has nothing to do with money or fame or cars or anything like that. If it's, it's in, it's inside of me, I feel like at peace. Yeah. I feel like everything that I've done was in in a genuine space and if it wasn't i've made those changes to to get to where i'm at and i i realized that i still have a road to go down and things to improve on but knowing that you have those opportunities is is a win in its own it is 100 percent. and you're gonna do well with it i mean you're already i mean I, you don't need advice from me i'm not trying to give you advice i'm just saying uh don't don't change too much you know what you've done is working you know maybe just uh just keep doing it more i I appreciate that brother hell yeah guys make sure you check out eric uh ilk fab um what is ilk fab inc is on the instagram ilk fab inc one word ilk fab inc i'll have it listed below and uh, make sure you guys show eric some love um and thank you guys for your time i know it's if you made it to this part of the episode (laughs) Thanks thanks for listening to my story, or at least a small percentage of it. I appreciate your time. Thank you, guys, man. And once again, this is Downtime with Downstar, episode 124, and we out. Peace. Peace.